Blank Jack with Griffin and David. Blank Jack with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Jack. Our lives are not our own. From womb to tomb, we are bound to others, past and present. And by each crime and every kindness, we birth our podcast. What, what, even, what word is even being replaced there? Future? Uh. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the speech Sonmi gives. I was looking for a different one. I couldn't find it. Mm. Uh, the IMDb uh, a quote section for Cloud Atlas is... Uh, it's under undervalued. Sparse for a movie that's three hours long. <laughs> and and well, two hours and 52 minutes. Okay. Not the most quotable movie. I don't know. I was looking. There's the thing. There's the thing that uh, uh, Tom Hanks says to Halle Berry, on the sort of when they're on the uh, on the mountain, on the volcano, or whatever. No, no, no. no. In the Louisa Ray oh, mystery. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. When he's like, we haven't met before, but yet I feel like I don't know. Anyway, hi. My name is Griffin Newman. I'm David Sims. This is Blank Check with Griffin and David. Correct. This is the Podchowski Casters. Good. How can it be two things? Because, because that's how this podcast like works. Like American guys. Horror Story, there is an overarching franchise, and then there are separate mini series. It's kind of like nesting dolls, kind yeah. of like the novel Cloud Atlas, but not the film Cloud Atlas. No, because uh, we wanna we wanna be able to compete in the mini series category at the at the podcast awards. Right. You know, yeah, yeah, not yeah, against yeah. like a dramatic uh, podcasting. What, 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 oh, did you I, just try to say dramatic and say dramatic? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Fuck me. I'm, I'm really tired. Guys, it's, uh, it's a Saturday afternoon. I ate Chick-fil-A for breakfast. Yeah. Uh, I'm drinking a, a vitamin water and we are here. You said it like a British person. I thought it was funny. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. No, I don't know. It's fine. Um, we're here to talk about, uh, the fifth, sixth movie. The sixth Wachowski's movie? The sixth yeah, w- yeah, Wachowski yeah. joint. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a motion picture called Cloud Atlas. Yes, it's a film they co-directed. With Tom Tviker. Mm-hmm. Uh, he of Run, Lola, Run. Mm-hmm. And uh, a hologram for the king fame. You just saw that we were just talking about that yesterday. I haven't seen that. Have you seen that? No. no I read no. the book. I like the book. Mm-hmm. Give it a gentleman's B-. minus. He, 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 he made what did he make? He made like uh, Perfume, the Story of a Murderer. Yeah, he, which I think is where he got Wishaw from yes. for this movie. Uh, yeah. The International is that what it was called? The one with Naomi Watts and Clive Owen. Oh yeah, where it's like Banks. That was his big American uh, film. Guggenheim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a Guggenheim chase. Uh, that was the poster. Was them in the Guggenheim? Uh, yeah, that one kind of came and went. Yeah. Uh, well, after Ronald Lauren, all his stuff kind of came and went. You know, we're here to talk about Cloud Atlas, and boy, and, uh, and we have a guest. We have. I'm a, really getting sidetracked. A guest of all guests. Uh, yes, he's a, he's a great man. Uh, a friend. Uh, we met on Twitter, mm-hmm. and then we decided to go meet up at a bar, and we talked for like eight hours about movies. Like four hours. Four. It was. It may it have been actually long. four hours. What, yeah. Which bar? Uh, it was my it was like under an overpass. It was like a. It was a very strange bar. It's a bar I love that they've it, they've ruined a little bit. It In used to City? be really gross, and now it's really gross, but trying to be what what bar? Cool. It's called uh, Tobacco Road. It used to be called Port Forty One. Mm. It's technically within Port Authority. Underneath, oh. like the bridge, yeah, but you can't get there through Port Authority, you have to enter through the side of the building. Yeah. It's right around here, yeah. And there used to be a sign on the wall saying that there was no sleeping allowed at or under the tables. 
which gave you like a sense of the tenor of the place. Right, right. That that had to be clarified. When was yeah. that? That was around the time Toy Story three came out because I remember we spent a large chunk of that conversation talking about Toy Story three. Yeah, it's probably twenty ten. Twenty ten. So you guys right? have known each other for a while, not longer than I've yeah. known Griffin. Uh, we saw yes, we saw the change up together. We saw the change up together, oh, and yeah. we switched phones. Least, I completely but you forgot didn't switch we did bodies. That. Well, what we no, pretended. My God. The bit was we went to see the change up together, and we switched phones, so we live tweeted the change up from each other's I Twitter account. Completely accounts. forgot that we did that. So I was like Griffin oh, stuck on God. Bobby Finger's Twitter account. And I just tweeted about tits the whole time. I forgot about the change up too. Yeah, we saw the <laughs> shit out of it. I forgot about the change up. I and forgot then about the our change up. up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, have we said his name? No, he's Bobby what Finger. <laughs> he's the co-host of the Who Weekly podcast. He is, and he writes for Jezebel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, he's a great that's me. person. He's a great person. <laughs> Who exists in the world. Uh, I, I, I will say that. And I, I don't know if I say this to your face because I don't like to say things that make people uncomfortable. Uh, you're one of the people I find funniest in the world. So, so that's so, really nice. Truly, you make me laugh harder than uh, uh, most people who self-identify as exclusively <laughs> as, as comedians. comedians. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, can I share my favorite? It's a very random little little memory. I think it might have been the first time I hung out with Bobby Finger, mm-hmm. which is when you came to trivia one time, mm-hmm. and we were going. We the three of us were on my computer. I know what you're gonna say. I we still were, think about this. And I laugh. think about it all the yeah. time. Wait, am I, we, I forgot this too. No, what no, was it's, 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 it's a very minor, all the time. It's a very minor thing. We were going through the Academy Awards on Wikipedia, and yeah. every year there was, you know, at the Wikipedia entry has the poster, you know, yeah. and we were just looking at all the posters. The official poster for that year's yeah, ceremony. right. Oh, yeah. And and the, the um, I forget which one, was it the 14 maybe, Academy, the 2014 ones? The ones been. hosted yeah. by, the late, the ones that were most recently hosted by Ellen DeGeneres. Right. And we and it, had, it hadn't happened yet, and the poster hadn't been released yet. I don't know where yet. this is going. I, I have no idea. <laughs> the poster hadn't been released yet. Yeah. And we clicked forward to that year's, like, to the upcoming account. And the instead of the poster, there was just a picture of Ellen DeGeneres, like, smiling at the camera. And this we was, all like, a month before the show. And into hysterics yeah. just at this image. And then the poster turned out to just be <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. This is not a funny story for anyone except the three of us. The moment, the moment, yeah, I mean, that was her experiential. Legs are, her legs are kind of just like, she's sitting a little, like, yeah, she was sitting Indian style. And, she was sitting as, on the floor they, and she had, like, a, an elbow up on a knee. Crisscross applesauce. <laughs> Maybe there was a, an Oscar in front of her, right? Yeah, there yeah, was an Oscar like, on the ground. Yeah. But when we were looking before the poster, it was just a straightforward profile picture of Ellen DeGeneres looking right at you. Yeah, and to contextualize this a little bit, the other like uh, posters for the yeah, Oscar like, ceremony are don't have the host in no, them. No, there are deco-y no. shots of an Oscar yeah. trophy it's or like, whatever. In what right. way can we reuse this silhouette? Like, how can yeah. we use this silhouette in a different way? And this was like a placeholder because like they'd announced her as the host, but they hadn't made a poster yet. So there was just placeholder Ellen. was some random picture of Ellen. And then the actual poster ended up just being, for the first time in history, just some just picture, a picture of picture of Ellen. Um, Portia anyway. de Rossi might say... Ellen's a bigger prize anyway, so maybe we all would yeah. rather oh, have an Ellen wow. it's very, that, you, than an Oscar. You are such a romantic. <laughs> you're, you're such a poet. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, th- speaking of poets, I mean, you know, this is a meeting of two great poetic minds oh, that's today. Right. Because, of course, we have with us our, our resident poet laureate. Uh, there, yeah. he is, there he it's is, me. coughing in the background. Coughing in the background. He's getting <laughs> oh. over strep throat. Yeah. Hey, guys. Yeah, Bobby, you were kind of <laughs> sick last uh, uh 
quote unquote week, aka yesterday when we when we recorded Speed Ben, Racer. You, you called Ben Bobby. Yeah, Ben. Yeah. Ben, yeah. maybe I Bobby figured, was sick I too. Figured, I understand. Yeah, his name's not Bobby. Okay, he goes by a couple names: producer Ben, producer Ben, the Ben Deucer. We've already talked about. I like him being Ben Deucer. Laureate. It's oh, a yeah, great. Do you have any favorites? Yeah, uh, yeah. Ben Deucer is yeah. my yeah. favorite. Yeah, yeah. Uh, producer Ben. I said that right. Yeah, uh, Tiebreaker: Birthday Benny, Mister Positive, uh, the Haas, the Fuckmaster. He's not Professor Crispy. The peeper, um, the peeper, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kylo Ben, mm-hmm. uh, Professor Ben Kenobi, old Ben Kenobi, no, whatever. Ben Knight Shyamalan. Ben Knight Shyamalan. There's a bunch of other ones. It's it's we gotta yeah. go. And look, it goes on and on. Look, it goes I, on and on. All, all I'm asking, you know, because yeah. Ben it's is when you see him. Ben is sick. Yeah. All I'm asking is all our listeners out there pray for Ben and wish, and wish him pray up to gods. They wish him a hello panel. Yeah. A speedy recovery. How yes. you doing, Ben? Um, you know, I'm feeling better today for sure. Uh, I was bummed I didn't get to participate in the Speed Racer talk, but I think it was a great episode, guys. Now, do you wanna do you wanna share some quick thoughts on Speed Racer because you loved it? Do you wanna have your little Ben Speed Racer corner? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'll say uh, I cried so hard at the end of the movie, like it's an really, emotional ending. Really hit me hard. Um, I yeah, love the film. I would say. Um, in general, what I'd like in movies moving forward is naming the character around what they do. <laughs> I think that that's really solid. Like just like fast hero. So like big people. Fast fast hero. Fast hero. <laughs> so like Captain America could be called like throwing shield man or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah totally. Okay, just yeah. name them what they do. <laughs> okay, so at this, I, I with this established, I might at certain points within this episode, Ben, ask you to to rename the characters of Cloud oh, Atlas. I can absolutely do that. There's okay. only a couple of characters in Cloud Atlas anyway. It's not it's, like it's a, pretty contained film. Yeah. <laughs> oh, also, did uh, did they tape Christina Ricci's eyes wider open? <laughs> that was the only other thought I had too. I wanted to put out there. She's very wide eyed in the <laughs> That's film. That's crazy. They don't even look real. <laughs> Those are my thoughts on Speed Racer. Uh, Thank you, Ben. Ben is, if you don't know, he is uh, the world's greatest film critic. I don't know if you knew that. I I didn't know that, but I'm uh, beginning to understand that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. We've submitted our galleys to Doubleday. And make it big, the collected writings of Ben Hosley. It should be be coming in in Q1. uh, That book is going to be big, too. Like, it's, yeah, it's a coffee table. It's book. a coffee it's table. It's going to be a big, very He big. means literally big. It, it will never be released in paperback. Uh, okay, so Cloud Artlers. Yes. Oh, the one thing I want to say, the, the Bobby moment that makes me laugh, and oh, I sure. once again don't know oh if this God. will translate. Yeah, Bobby, we've had so many <gasps> All great these Bobby times anecdotes. Yeah, but we, we were talking about, I don't remember how we got into this, but you like interrupted the conversation to say, like, man, I, I just can't. I'm so excited for when the... Um, the uh, Best Marigold Hotel uh, 2 trailer drops. I said that a lot around that. Whatever time yeah, you were that was, excited. Like, I was very excited. We didn't know at the time it was going to be called the second best no, which exotic was your, Marigold Hotel. That was your crusade. That was my right. dream, yeah. yeah. But at the time, you just said, like, can you just imagine the trailer? Like, they show all the actors. They show us that, like, Dickie Gear is on board. And then the title comes up, and it says, The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. And then very slowly, a two-fight <laughs> And the way you were so sincere, the way you described the I two love those fading movies. in. Yeah. I love them. But it was the specific of the two fading in, that it wasn't there from the get-go, that the title is the title you know and then the shock of a two. And we could all picture it, couldn't we? We could all picture it. We, we thought it was a lovely image, didn't it was, we? <laughs> we thought it was a lovely <laughs> image. It was very, uh, it was successful theater of the mind. We all mm-hmm. saw what you were seeing. Great. Um, you, uh, we, we, you are a listener of the show, mm-hmm. and you're, you're a pal of both of ours. And I want to have you on the show for a long time. Yes, and you wanted to be on this episode, Bobby. I did. Yeah. I was uh, maybe 
maybe it's because I mean I feel like I didn't realize that as many people liked Cloud Atlas as as they, as they do. Mm-hmm. So when I requested Cloud Atlas, I kind of expected there to be competition and I expected Griffin to say like mm, someone already took it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little did I know, no one even offered to o- take open Cloud Atlas. Field. <laughs> yeah. And so I was very shocked and then I realized, wait, did I pick the no. kind of loser of the bunch, no, but I still no, love no, it. Absolutely I still not, love no, it. Absolutely not. Uh, we, I think we all love it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it was the first. It was like the first thing that came to mind whenever when, when, uh, the Wachowskis. When were the word Wachowskis. Released. Yeah. 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 Um, this movie was released in 2012. Yeah, mm-hmm. in uh, uh, October 2012, mm-hmm. late October. Uh, Oscar it, season. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, I believe it came out the exact weekend that uh, Hurricane Sandy hit. Hurricane it Irene. Is that, that might out, be. It came out the weekend of sounds like Sandy, a, yeah. a big New York storm. Because I remember wanting to go see it on Saturday afternoon and having to wait. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just so moved sorry. into an apartment, which I moved into that apartment the Friday before the storm hit. <laughs> so I, I remember specifically, because the box office opening weekend was terrible and the movie sort of right. never recovered. But it was like, there, you know, the whole East Coast was like locked indoors. For this storm, the last yeah. thing on anyone's mind was Cloud Atlas. Yes, yeah, yes. Uh, it was a hundred million dollar independent film, a hundred and twenty eight point five million dollar budget. Uh, nuts, pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah, raised independently, mostly through like German studios. Yeah, uh, and they'd done Speed Racer in Germany, and Tom Tweiker mm-hmm. is German, so I guess you know they got they got their claws in there in that country. Um, and you know, there, there was a sort of like a incredible six minute trailer for this movie that so great cool. online. set to a beautiful uh, overture by M83 or one of the yeah. M83 outro. Oh, it's outro. It's, yeah. the, it's not. And, the... and the, the beginning of the trailer is set to the music from the score. Right. 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 And then it switches and to, it switches yeah. to mm-hmm. your outro. Which um, out, outro always is effective in anything. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, the MPAA has like regulations that trailers can't be over three minutes long. Oh, really? And so they were just sort of like... It was online only. Mm -hmm. I never saw a trailer Mm -hmm. in a theater. No, no, no. no. And that trailer had... I mean, I think this is now harder to find, but that trailer had a video introduction by Lana Wachowski, uh, then Larry Wachowski, now Lily Wachowski, and Tom Tviker. And they were sort of like contextualizing the movie and presenting it Mm -hmm. to you because it was sort of like, Mm -hmm. you know, we can't release this longer Mm -hmm. one in theaters, but we think the movie's so expansive, it's hard to contain in a three-minute trailer, so we want to give you a better sense of what it is. But they also went into in that introduction explaining how hard it was to get the money to make the movie. Yeah, like they were sort of saying like we had it for years, and then this person dropped out, and then right before this, and Warner Bros. was only going to put up this much, and then right before they decide they want to pull out. I, th- I didn't see that. Uh, it was interesting. I can't find the introduction anymore. Mm-hmm. But it was also one of the first times that like Lana was speaking very publicly as Lana, mm-hmm. uh, and they also weren't ever speaking like when. They they were known for not speaking. Period. Right. They don't really do publicity at all. Right. Yeah. And she was sort of taking the reins and like, kind of hosting this intro because they optioned the book like right after it came right. out, didn't they? The Wachowskis yeah. optioned um, the book, which was 04? It came mm-hmm. out in '04. Yeah. And then I think Tviker. How do you say his name? Tviker. I think it's Tviker. Uh, yeah. He like wanted. He like came to them and was like, "I want to make this. You know, I know you optioned it." And they worked on it. Like they collaborated for years on yeah. it together. Three of them. I, what I didn't understand, I was reading the Wikipedia for it earlier this morning. Um, there's a really long paragraph on that page about Tom Hanks being involved, mm-hmm. and there's they kind of they it seems like they left part of the narrative out of that paragraph because yeah. it's like I know because he's talking, talking about. about like well I I want to do it or something, yeah. and then it's like and then it happened, but it's like. <laughs> 
it's yeah. not just because Tom Hanks said yes. Like, where did this money come from? Yeah, they, they, it does seem weird. It seemed, you know, they they raised money in like bits of pieces. They got like twenty million euros from the German government. They got blah blah. You know, so I guess they were putting money together. I think, and yeah, no, maybe it was saying? going to fall. Up, maybe like they weren't going to get all the way there. Yeah. And they said that to Tom Hanks, yeah. like, and this is Wikipedia, so, you know. Yeah. Uh, they said that to Han- Tom Hanks, and he was like, no, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Yeah, like, I'm the ne- Tom Hanks. The next sentence is, there's like a sentence that ends the paragraph, but then it's like, and then we were all in Berlin. Yes. And then- yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> like, okay. I think it was one of those situations where, like, they were 100% yes, fine. So everyone flew to Berlin to begin <laughs> yeah. the film. That yeah. is the, yes. <laughs> I think it was like a situation. <laughs> right. If I remember the intro correctly, they were like 100% financed and then like 40% dropped out. Oh, uh-huh. okay. Uh-huh. But they had and like 60% and so they, they were, were ready already to go. like setting it sure. up. Right. So at that point, you like have people being like, we're ready to make this movie. Okay. Like, you're not going to put your money and have it sitting there for a while. Mm-hmm. We can make this in a month. I think Hank's probably like, you know, pressed the flesh a lot and did whatever. I think Warner Brothers put in a little bit. It might have been under the guise of like, this is the how much we're paying to be able to distribute it Mm -hmm. rather than like, you know, actually investing in the film. Did either of you know about this production even happening? Because I didn't even know this was in the works until the trailer came out, that five-minute long thing. I honestly can't remember when I found out about it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't. Did you? Go ahead. I I remember reading an interview with Susan Sarandon a, a month or two before the trailer came out. And her being like, yeah, I just finished this other film with the Wachowskis and we all played different races and genders. And I was like, what? (laughs) Quite a lead, really. And I like hadn't heard about the book or read the book because I'm an idiot. Um, I had read the I read the book when it came out. I liked Mm. David Mitchell. I read Number Nine Dream, his previous book, which was nominated. I didn't read the book. Which is nominated for the Booker Prize. Congratulations, when I was in David. high school or whatever. And then I read this book. I, mean, I haven't read anything since. He's written a lot of books, mm-hmm. yeah. old Mitchie. Uh, but I like this book. And that's the story of David reading Cloud Atlas. Yeah. In I, 2005. I, I read that interview and then was like, I don't know what this but, fucking I mean, movie it's is. It's because it wasn't a Hollywood thing, right? That's maybe yeah. why it oh, wasn't okay. so like deadline hyped, you know, every week. I don't know. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was also this thing where like a bunch of people, like important political figures in interviews were like, yeah, I shot this thing with the Wachowskis. And they wanted to make a movie that was like a sort of half documentary, half drama, but it was like a documentary from the future about the military. It was like a lesbian military story and Ariana Huffington was in it and like a bunch of people like that. I swear to God. Excuse me? I now need to go down a Google rabbit hole. But there was a photo that leaked out that was Ariana Huffington in front of a green screen with, in future clothes. In future clothes. I swear to God this is real. With Lana and Lily Wachowski, then Larry. I think it was Andy is now, is now, um, Yes, you're right. I'm sorry. I fucked it up. Yes, yes, yes. I fucked it up. You're right. This is a real thing. Yeah. And they were shooting this weird movie, and it was like they were paying out of pocket. This was years before Cloud Atlas, though. But but my point is, that was a thing that was sort of talked about, and it was like, oh, they're shooting this these pieces. This would be the wraparound. They're trying to get the money to do the narrative. Like, I guess it was going to be sort of like District Nine, where it's like you have like fake documentary talking Mm -hmm. heads, and then you sort of have the dramatic narrative. Okay. So they were like shooting the interview stuff. We're trying to get the money to do the rest of it. And we're paying for that stuff out of pocket. So when I heard the Sarandon like, oh, we're all playing different like races and genders, I was, I was like, maybe this is another thing like that. <laughs> yeah. There's, future wig. You left out the yeah. future wig. Uh, just to let you know, just to really briefly, Please. and then we really need to talk about this movie. Jesse Ventura also shot Thank you. Uh, Governor yep. Jesse Ventura. Oh. Governor Jesse the Body Ventura. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Uh said they brought me and they brought Ariana Huffington in after me. Ariana was there and they had her looking like Cleopatra. Do you remember 
you know what John Travolta looked like in that horrible film Battlefield Earth? They put multicolored dreadlocks on me all the way to here. They gave me this crazy beard. Looked like Travolta, right? And I put a third eye in the middle of my forehead. <laughs> I'm reading this cold. And this is like from 10 years ago, right? I mean, yeah. when's the story from? It's from like 2009. Okay. Uh, and because, you know, this is 100 years in the future, and they wanted me to talk about the war in Iraq and how I felt with it. So I got to vent, looking like a maniac. Right. They- now, if Jesse... The body Ventura thought he looked like a maniac. He really looked weird. Like, <laughs> and this movie is—is is this like scrapped or is I, it? Just I don't on know. Hold? They Maybe never they got just... the money for the rest of the yeah, thing. Apparently, it was like—I mean, it was like a small, like, okay. queer military drama, like love story. So I think it was very hard to get financing. Okay. But when they talked about Cloud Atlas, I was like, this might be part of that. This might be like some other project that they're shooting things for that's never going to get seen. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. No, when the trailer dropped, I was like, oh, this is Let's an actual movie Atlas. that they made and is going to be viewable? Yes. Yeah. The film Cloud Atlas. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, We're going to talk about it now. Okay. So when did you guys see this movie? I just saw it. You just saw it for the first time? Yeah. Oh, oh I, I had never that. seen it. Oh, I had no oh, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I saw it maybe, uh, I remember wanting to see it uh, right at, as it came out, but I guess that's why the I storm. didn't. Storm, yeah. Um. I saw it maybe the third or fourth week. I saw it at the uh, Regal Union Square AMC, uh, an, a Saturday matinee. I want to say. Oh well, good choice. And probably. I wasn't really, and I wasn't really expecting to Didn't love it. Long. I yeah. thought I would like it. Yeah. But I remember like leaving and then like exiting into the light. Yeah. And just being so <laughs> satisfied. I was just so satisfied by yeah. this movie, uh, and very surprised because I I wasn't familiar with the book. I mean, mm-hmm. I knew it's 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 a favorite book of a few friends of mine who have right. tried to tell me to read it, but I haven't read it. Right. Uh, but I wasn't expecting to be like overwhelmed by it mm-hmm. and like like manipulated, but like in a, in a very pleasurable way. I'm trying to remember why I didn't see this movie, and it might have been because of like Hurricane Sandy or something. Like, they might have been literally something that obvious that like mm-hmm. I missed it the first couple of weeks, and then it you know well, it disappeared. Like I mean, dudes like us who are like movie omnivores, when mm-hmm. you get into October and there's going to be like there's a couple a lot of big movies on, coming out every week. Blah, 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 yeah. You know? I was like yeah. moving. We yeah. both moved. I moved. That's so yeah. weird. But it's something where like. <gasps> so weird. Yeah. But like that weekend you don't go see anything because of the storm. So then the following weekend you're backlogged. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean the other problem is like not, th- I have no problem with a three hour movie. Yeah. But when it's a three hour movie. You can't just be like, I'm going to like pop over right. to the IFC Center it. and catch that. You plan like, your day around yeah, it. Yeah, you're like, okay, oh, that's yeah. like, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for some reason, I had never seen this movie. So I've told you this. I had one of the absolute worst movie-going experiences of my life seeing, seeing this, this movie. movie. Okay. Yes, I think I've told you this. I told Ben this. Go ahead. Uh, where, I, where was it? Uh, I went to the AMC Lincoln Square. Perfectly fine. I believe it's yeah. a 13. Lincoln Square it's a 13. 13. It's I the Lincoln Square 13. Yes. Uh, 60th and Broadway. But all the theaters are called like, like the Aztec. Yeah. It's got like 13 elevators too. Am I escalators too? <laughs> yes, am I right? right? All those escalators. This is what oh I'm saying. God. Funniest guy in the biz right here. Uh, <laughs> roasted. <laughs> yeah, roasted. Yeah. Uh, okay. You got Just fingered. shitting on Lincoln Square. <laughs> fingered. <laughs> Um, I th- I think it was uh, the Egyptian. I think we maybe sure, sure, the sure. So it wasn't not? in the IMAX. It was in, the, it was in one of the uh, regulars. Our friend Common. Uh, I went to go see it with him. I, for a second, I thought you just said our friend Common. Meaning that's what rapper. I thought you yeah. said yes. too. Uh, my my Bulgarian friend Common Volkovsky. Yes, former is, trivia. Yeah, his name is spelled K A M E N. Anytime I reference him, people think I'm friends with the rapper Common. <laughs> yes, right. I just um, did. Hell yeah. on Wheels star Common, <laughs> which is sort of like you know, dress for the job you want. Be friends with the person you want to be friends with. If I'm friends with someone named Common, maybe someday I'll be friends with Common. But you went to see it with Common, mm-hmm. uh, and we were sitting sold out theater, right? Oh wow. 
Um, is, was are we talking opening week? Opening weekend? I'm guessing maybe it was that Monday or Tuesday. Maybe that Sunday theater. after the storm. It was anyway, surprising, anyway. right? Yeah. So we're sitting on the aisle, but there's one seat. Like, we're not all the way on the aisle, right? Okay. We go in towards the middle, so there's one seat at the end of the aisle next to the two of us. And a woman, a, a kind-looking woman comes up to me, taps me on the shoulder, and says, uh, hey, is this seat open? And I went, yeah. And she went, okay, great, thank you, and walks away. Hmm. Has the movie is it, are the previews happening now or or, or what? Uh, I think maybe the previews had just started. Okay. Okay. And then she comes back, leading a man in his maybe early to mid twenties, plops him down in the chair, and this is her adult, severely developmentally disabled Uh-oh. son. Oh no! And then she goes and bones out, sits oh, somewhere else shit. in the theater. Oh my God! And this is not an uh, a short or uh, easy and accessible film. No, and look, uh, uh, you know, yeah, this I, is tricky territory. Yeah, this I, is I very did, tricky. I did not know this story yeah, at all. I, 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 you know, I, I cannot uh, uh, diagnose this man. I don't know what sure. exactly his struggles mm. were. I do know my struggle was. <laughs> uh, he sat there the entire time. And anytime there was a woman on screen, he'd go, oh, my God, so beautiful, so beautiful. Oh, my God, so beautiful, so beautiful. Even, what, all right. Anytime. What about when Hugo Weaving played a lady in the old folks' home? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. Oh, no. I see. I see. All right. Oh. So and a lot then, of talking. Anytime Tom Hanks was on screen he verbalized with all of his emotions, a beautiful right, woman, right. he'd go, Zachary, kiss her. Zachary, kiss her. Kiss her. Zachary. Oh, no. Oh, no. So beautiful. Zachary. So it's just the, like a Three running hours. commentary. For- <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so my takeaway was, I, I, I think I liked that movie. <laughs> oh my God. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't love it, and I definitely didn't dislike it, but I was like, I don't know. And it's like, you're fucking, all these like plot lines are interweaving, and a lot of the connections are subtle. Yeah, it's right. They're Hugo yeah. weaving. They're Hugo. <laughs> funny I'll finger. leave, I'll leave. I'm sorry. Ben, can you add in like a guitar riff anytime we get fingered? Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. a Seinfeld uh, so bass slap? Finger. <laughs> Uh, oh boy! Um, so we miserable. all had different theatrical experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I watched. Bobby's it. Mine was great. Pleasant. Yeah, yeah mine yeah. was great. You well, do, you know, do you remember where you saw it, Bobby? Yeah, the Union, Union Square. Square. Oh, Fourteen. I, I, yeah. I missed. I'm, I'm I can even. And it was. It was the. It was the. The one. Uh, up upstairs okay. with the with the balcony, with the balcony. Oh, but I was nice. in the I was in the bottom part. Sure, I was in the sure. orchestra. That's the way to do it. Yeah. But uh, Union Square. One reason I don't go there a lot is sometimes you'll get you know stuffed into one of the little theaters. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But if you're yeah. in the big theater, very nice. Right. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hate those little theaters. Yeah, they suck. Yeah. Especially if it's like you're going to see your whatever your Civil War, your big movies. You want and they're show? showing them yeah. on eight screens, <laughs> and like yeah. you don't know, you don't know. That happened with us seeing Force Awakens. Like yeah. we, at the MC25, we got put in one of them shoe boxes. Yeah. Opening yeah. night, yeah. you know? That's okay, though. Uh, ben, what do you think about little crowd. theaters? Uh, well, uh, I mean, it's intimate, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like I want to be I want to be in a big room. This is a real conflict because you like big rooms, but you also like fucking. That's true. So the intimacy... <laughs> He's the fuck master. I am right, the fuck right. master. Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas. <laughs> so I, yeah, yeah, I watched it again for the first time since... I, uh, theatrical viewing two yeah. nights ago. Yep. And uh, I think this movie's great. So good. Great. Yeah. It's great. Holy I watched it this morning. Yeah. Watching it in the comfort of my own home without anyone else talking. Yeah. Like a, a big upgrade. This movie mm-hmm. went up like three points, you know? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It was like maybe like a like a like a gentleman's six point five, and now it's maybe like like a nine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really phenomenal. Um so let's talk about the plot of this one because it's very straightforward. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah. It's easy. Uh, Bobby. 
Go right. Uh, what's the plot of the movie? So, uh, uh, which 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 one should I start with? Should we just do it? Take turns with the plots. Well, I can start ask when you, it's all yeah, one yeah, yeah, big let's story. All hand, <laughs> let's all hand off. That's yeah. right. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, you've yeah. got so you've got several actors uh, mm-hmm. playing several roles that span several An ensemble. centuries. Ensemble. There's like a stock. An company. ensemble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've got. And in every story, there is, uh, you know, a hero, mm-hmm. a There's villain. There's a lead. Yeah. And, right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is uh, a love interest. There is, uh, what am I trying, what else is there in every story? Yeah, but there's, uh, there's a struggle. I mean, of course, there's a, there's a struggle, but then there's, um. so let's just talk about the first one. So sure. you've got the movie, the bookend of the movie. Let's start with that. Mm-hmm. You've got Tom Hanks as, uh, you know, three centuries into our present um, so three centuries into the future, mm-hmm. uh, he is living on the big island of Hawaii mm-hmm. um, after some sort of an apocalyptic nuclear event because they talk about rad levels at some point. They do. Mm-hmm. They do. Um, so he's, he's, he's a, a survivor. tattooed man. He's a tattooed man living in a very primitive society on mm-hmm. the big island. Yeah. Uh, a very small society. He uh, is feeling he's he's wrecked with guilt because he did not try to save. Um, his like nephew, just yeah, some, some, some sort of like, relative, distant yeah. relatives from an attack uh, uh, from no. Hugh Grant and his cannibal yeah. friends. Hugh Grant plays a cannibal in that one. Hugh Grant so, plays like well, shitty people. Yeah, this is the thing. Right, Everyone's but, roles change except for Hugh Grant, who's Grant always, always a jerk. Bad. Yeah. Watch always out bad. for Hugh Grant. And yeah. Hugo Weaving's always a jerk too. Both of them. Are, uh, right? Yeah, I guess yeah. that's uh, true. Or like, Hugo Weaving's always some sort of obstacle. He's not. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I only like there's in like like you know he's a kind of anti-Semitic in one, or no, he's not anti. But he's, he's racist. Like, yeah, he's racist in one, and then yeah. he's an assassin in one, and then he's you know a, a stovepipe hat wearing uh, <laughs> physical you know body physicalization of, of mental uh, illness of terror. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and he then he's like, oh, I'm old Georgie. Watch out for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's and then por- he's a mean nurse. A mean nurse. <laughs> and uh, it is most of yeah. a role. real mean he is, nurse. He is a nurse ratchet type, you know, yeah. scary nurse type. Can I just interject? Because I think who's this doing is- a Mrs. Doubtfire impersonation also. Yeah. Uh, he's, 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 he sounds weird. like this. It's very strange. <laughs> it's really weird. I just want to interject because I think this is like really brilliant. I think I think the final chunk of the financing came from them selling the the rights to Warner Brothers, right? For the uh, film, right. the Wachowskis. Yeah, yeah, the distribution right and it, if I remember correctly, there was a big New Yorker article, which I suggest people look up and read, about the Wachowskis um, before Cloud Atlas came out, about like where they were in their careers mm-hmm. and how this was a big step forward for them and trying to make a different kind of film. And they said the big selling point we gave to Warner Brothers was, because this film was so expensive, it was so hard for them to get a sense of what it would be, how it would work, what audience it was for. And they said we came up with a very simple through line, which is the movie starts out with Tom Hanks as a bad person. Mm-hmm. And 600 years later, he becomes a good person. Right. Okay. Uh, the official synopsis describes it as um, how one soul is shaped from a killer to a hero and an act of kindness ripples across centuries to inspire a revolution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think they designed, like, the Hanks arc so that he becomes, you know, yeah, from people who are aggressively bad to people who are just sort of, like, got a bad attitude. <laughs> You know, yeah. to, to the hero. But wait, story. when is he? Oh, right. Okay, he's a, he's yeah. a straight he's the, up villain. I forgot in, in he's the, the villain in the, in the first story. Yeah. I completely forgot that that's him um, who tries to kill Jim Sturgis. Yeah, he to does get his gold to steal his ring steal his and gold. some other stuff. Uh, uh, but let's get back to this future. Um, so, one. so the yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, try yeah. to I'll try to do this succinctly. But yeah. uh, so meanwhile, so he lives in this like horrible, like kind of barbaric post-apocalyptic society. Yes. But meanwhile, there is a, a there is a sort of uh, uh, Elysium type colony outside of Earth. Um, and occasionally they do tests, and Halle Berry is like one of these people who is, you know, the very intelligent. The one yeah. percent 
they have all of the cures to diseases and blah, blah, but they're still not doing well with radiation. So every time she goes to this island, she should watch out. She wants to get to the top of this volcano mm-hmm. because there's some sort of communications tower right, on they it. They can shoot no a one, signal into space. No one wants to help lead her there because they're afraid of the cannibals with good reason. They um, are cannibals. Yeah. Yes. And so she, after after Tom Hanks saves her life, he convinces her, she convinces him to, no, he convinces her to, no, he saves the life of the baby. No, I'm getting confused. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, it's I'm, okay. I'm weaving. So he, I'm Hugo weaving. <laughs> um, so she and Tom Hanks make it to the communication towers to get to this, you know, thing for some reason. And mm-hmm. then and there they uncover the truth about soon me. Well, okay. Or right, one, one, right, 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 right. Anyway, right. so the whole point is they have to get from here through it's the cannibals it's a very simple to the top quest. of the thing. You got to get to the That's top it. of the mountain. And get to the mountain. Hugo Weaving is a green goblin. Yeah, who is just with in Tom hat. Hanks' yeah. head with he's, a top hat. He's dressed Called like Fagin. Old Georgie. Old Georgie. Old Georgie. Yes. And I think he's a you know a particularly terrifying character. I think I he's agree. a very scary Quite, fun, quite strange. Yeah. Especially because in this already incongruous environment, he is a new element. Yeah. So like an yeah. even more incongruous mm-hmm. element. Yeah. But this is the book and it begins the movie. And it ends. And it ends the movie. Uh, uh, but the movie just, begins with yeah. Tom Hanks in Zachary Tom Hanks giving some sort of monologue, Looking which you find like out is Jeff just, Bridges being run over by a truck. Which yeah. you find out then he's just telling his grandchildren and great great grandchildren right. the story yeah. of you know. Because after all, isn't this a movie about stories? It's it's about it's about humanity, it's about life. Yeah, and it's about and sharing right, our connections. connection through stories. And it yeah. has this handshake structure where like you know things recur through these six stories. Yeah. It's, I, so I fired this movie up. My girlfriend watched 40 minutes of it and was just like, I, I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, It's especially at the beginning, it's yeah. daunting what it's yeah. doing. Because yeah. the book, as you guys might know, um, it tells one story and then it moves to the next story and then the next and then mm-hmm. the next and the next and then meets in the middle with the Big Island story, the future, future, future yeah. apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And then it goes backwards. It, it's like know, a parallelogram, it's right? Like, it's, it's like nesting dolls. It's yeah. like then it goes back to the fifth story, back yeah. to the fourth, and it ends again with okay. the first. Now, this movie, they abandoned that and have them all woven together, mm-hmm. which is the right decision. It works yeah. well, yeah. Yes. The first 40 minutes are throwing everything in your yeah. face. And it's, like, it's hard because yeah. it's supposed to be kind of dancing, this and movie. The, yeah. you know, it's, like, yeah. it's not an omnibus film because it is interwoven constantly. And the first 40 yeah. minutes kind of... It suggests that the movie is more complicated than it is. Yeah, right. like you said, the the it's a pretty straightforward it's narrative. True. Like, and, and I Each but like trying to talk about it. Is, yeah, right. Yeah, you you get lost, but then it it really there's not much to it. And no, you know, no, for, the stories are for a three-hour yeah. movie, it moves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. There are a couple storylines that are a little, I would say, a little more plotting, and like some that are really exciting. You know, yeah. like it, 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 the pacing isn't like always exact. Yeah, but uh, mm-hmm. it's great and it's gorgeous. It is. It's we, gorgeous. It is gorgeous. It's gorgeous. We did forget to mention in the future story, everyone talks like Muttley from Wacky Races. Yeah. and a, then Holly uh, Berry is Holly Blair, Barry is fluent in their dialect. Yeah. and like every time she switches to it, it's like okay, that's yeah. It's funny. it's a little. <laughs> it's just condescending. Right. It's, yeah. just, it's, it's sort of like she reappropriates. It's like, like when Hillary Clinton goes to like you know a church in Iowa yeah. and like has a different you know. And she's like, like listen, talks folks. like she's from yeah. the Midwest or you know y'all got to understand. Yeah, but. But um, I, I think one thing my girlfriend uh, Joanna, mm-hmm. uh, who we're about to see, oh, shout Civil out to Joanna. With, yeah, yeah, we're, we're gonna um, we're gonna see the shit out Civil War with Joanna. Yeah, um, <laughs> one thing that she reacted to when I when she watched the openings of this movie is why are white people playing Asians in this movie yeah. and questions yeah. like that yeah. or like Halle Berry shows up in uh, the 1930s plotline looking like. Looking like Madonna, yeah. Mm-hmm. Looking like a, a weird white face Madonna, a Jew weird. <laughs> yeah, playing yeah. a playing a Jew. Yeah. And I said to her, "That's Halle Berry," and she said, "No, it isn't." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I was a fair reaction. 
<laughs> yeah, see, that's the other thing. So the, the big notion. And you didn't have film, a response. Yeah. Like, I was like, well, I know what you're saying. <laughs> because this this film is about the sort of interconnectedness of the human spirit mm, yes. and certain energies and certain dynamics. And this is a over recurring over theme in the Wachowskis' work: is right. that you are so. not who you look like, and your you know your identity is beyond your you know your sort of shape or your skin or your like you know. And I think there's an even simpler version of it that that comes very clear in this film, you know, and looking back through the previous films, it goes into this, but the idea that like, we're all the same. Yeah. Right, sure. And that's, I think what I like about the the movie. It's, it's not about reincarnation and there's never anything yeah. where it's like the soul has continued. It's just talking about, we are all, we're doing the same things over and over because like yeah. humans are humans. I mean, like question yeah. for you guys, sure. because obviously the gambit they pull is that they cast like, you know, they have a cast of about 12 mm-hmm. and they have them all play different parts in these different stories. Like yeah. if this movie was just literally like a giant ensemble piece where every story had different actors in it, wouldn't work as well. No, right? absolutely not. No. Yeah. Absolutely not. That was, I mean, that was the master show because their, their whole thing. I mean, I feel like there are two points you start to realize uh, arc over all their films are uh, every single person is important. You know, they detest anyone valuing themselves more highly over anyone else, mm-hmm. you know, and and uh, structures and societies that do that. You know, I mean, slavery is like a big thing that comes up in all their movies. In this one, it's literal. Yeah. But both Matrix and Jupiter Ascending have this thing where people are harvesting human bodies for energy. Right. right. You know, like that's a big thing. And then Speed Racer has this whole like. The company we are all is commoditizing to capitalism. Yeah, right. People turning them into products. Speed Racer is a crazy haven't movie. Haven't seen Bobby. Speed Racer. Have not seen it. <laughs> oh, it's great. Uh, check it out. Uh, the last line of Bound, which I forgot to mention when we did our Bound episode, mm-hmm. is like uh, one of my favorite last lines of film ever. Where they co- in Bound they keep where on they talking say, about that. Sure was a crazy lesbian heist <laughs> yeah. drama. They say, we, they say we sure got bound up in some drama. <laughs> Um, no, but like Bound is like, you know, they a lot of the film is about how they're different. They're in mm-hmm. love, but they're fundamentally different people. And the last line is Gina Gershon says, you know, what's the what's the difference between you and me? And Jennifer Tully goes, what? And she goes, nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's like they've become one person. Like mm-hmm. we're all the same fucking person when you get past the superficial stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this movie gets at that idea now. I mean, no, I want to say, like, yeah. I, like we've talked about this with the Matrix sequels. We talked about it with Speed Racer. Yeah. The Wachowskis often are doing something that maybe the world is not ready for them to do. Agree. Usually it's something in the technological side, right? They're shooting a movie with, like, kind of effects that our body, like, our, yes. we're just, it's just not, cinema has not really yeah. reached it yet. And they're reaching. Here, I would say that gambit is more the uh, multicultural uh, casting idea. The uh, you know the having yeah. people play all races and sizes and shapes. But people and... don't play all races, though. That's no. one thing. There's yes. never blackface. There is, well, which is very smart. There's, because... there's a lot of white face. There's yeah. a lot of yellow face. Yeah, there is. There's and never blackface. They 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 wisely avoid that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just think but it's then, too but then, loaded. But like, then you can't the, do it. Yeah. there was right, that associate like the people. Then the there was like the Chinese American Association sure. or whatever was very upset that because of the double standard. It's like, standard. well, you do yellow face and you do white face, but why didn't you do black face? And it's like, there's no good, there's, there's, there's no not good an explanation. That, there's this. not an answer. That's right. Because look, if they, it's, it's, it's going to be problematic no matter what they do it, but no matter yeah. what they do, how um, they do it. If they had done blackface in this film, it wouldn't have been to perpetuate stereotypes. It would have just been means to an end because that's the notion of the film. Right. But the fact of the reality is, for good reason, yeah. if don't you put do someone blackface in blackface, ever. everyone gets upset. Yeah, like, like, Jim, it's, it's, of course. If there's Jim Broadbent had played the slave in the first story or whatever, that wouldn't have worked. Right. But it's just like, but that's that's the that's the ultimate conclusion you reach, where it's like, you know, at least they didn't do blackface. <laughs> yeah, where it's almost that you can forgive everything else, where it's like, okay, they made Jim Sturgis look like a Korean man, 
and they Jim made Starcy. and <laughs> yeah. uh, Keith David too. Yes. Yeah, they did it yeah. to Keith David, yeah, a Korean which I, woman, I believe. Uh, <laughs> then, I can't remember. And then it's like, but at least there's no blackface. So well, but this is the thing. Like you say, there's no right answer to this, mm-hmm. and there's no like, well, oh, I think they threaded the needle. They tried something, and here it is. This mm-hmm. is what I'd like to say about it too. I I think the the uh, makeup on it's it's in the the second story if we're going chronologically from the future to the past right mm-hmm. the second story is the neo soul story yes which oh, is if you're going from the future to the past okay. right because mm-hmm. we went with the right. Hanks yeah. Yeah. Story a, I, I consider right. that the fifth story but yes right. uh, so that's the one that has the most race swapping yes well right because it's set in Korea right and we have two Asian actors in the cast mm-hmm. uh, yeah and everyone uh, Duna, else is, Duna Bay and yes. uh, who's the other Asian actor her name is it's oh uh, Jusun yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, both of them were fantastic. He plays Yuna nine three nine. Yeah, and and both of them play other people in the other stories. Yes, um, but every other character in this film, including Hugh Grant, Hugh within Grant. that story, mm-hmm. has to be given makeup to look right. more Asian. Yeah. Now that's the biggest transformation. The look is very strange it's, and it's jarring. And yes. even just from the trailer, like that popped more than the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they and, maybe could have done better with the makeup. Yeah. Uh, and when you're watching, it works in the soul to some extent because it's the future already. So you're like, are these aliens? Like, what is right. this? Really strange. Thing? Yeah, yeah. Um, but then I would say the Hugh Grant character that he plays, who is basically just like a fat, sexist uh, slob. Yeah, with, rapist. Yeah, rapist with yeah. like a top knot or a something. robot uh-huh. rapist. Robot uh, yeah. clones. 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 Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, he's he's tougher to get around. Yeah. You know, because like James Darcy and Jim Sturgis are playing these sort of like very like uh like conservatively dressed kind of like sort of almost like cypher type characters mm-hmm. like you're not quite sure what to make of them not mm-hmm. cypher from the matrix not cypher a, from the matrix or the character. new mutants yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 um too bad joey pants isn't and movie. not cypher rage we should say also yeah. but i think the, the the forgivable the reason that that it's more forgivable because i think there will always be something wrong with that sort of race swapping is is again the 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 narrative like the, sure. the yeah. themes of the movie right. like it, it's a it's about how we all we all transcend these things. Well, and this is so the, when you yes. have that to back up your 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 reasoning, yeah. like you get like a bit of a, you get like a piece of a pass. Th- this you know? is the bigger point I want to get at, which is that the Neo Soul one jumps out not just because the makeup's the strangest, mm-hmm. but it's because the one that leads with that earliest, right? Mm-hmm. Because your right. first into that story is James Darcy in that makeup talking to Duna Bay, mm-hmm. who has a normal human face, right, who yeah. is a Korean, <laughs> right? Yes. And he's doing an accent. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But the other sort of race swappings come in later in the film. So, like, I'd say Halle Berry as a white woman comes in maybe 40 minutes. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, a, yeah. uh, Duna Bay la- right. later plays a Mexican woman, and that's, like, right. two hours into the movie. Or, yeah, yeah. You know, like, all that stuff sort of becomes integrated later, and the main characters are being introduced to are, like, people playing their own race. And Duna Bay's character as that Mexican woman is, in the credits, Mexican woman. Yes. Right, yes. Yeah. So right. it's like, she's just a that's Mexican woman. That's what she is, yeah. right? But I think... If you're watching the film from the get-go, it's like, okay, so why is everyone playing themselves except the Asian cast is, like, mm-hmm. all fucking people with weird, like, foreheads, right? Right. It's basically the Asian makeup is, like, a forehead that sort of, like, makes the brow look completely different. Yeah, it, like, yeah. lowers their eyelids. It's odd. It's, it's odd. really, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's hard it's hard to look at. A little it bit. Actually, it really yeah. is. Right. It just looks so, very yeah. unnatural. But, but I think as the film goes on, it sort of justifies that because then it like starts spreading the well. Mm-hmm. And there's this big point that was made by Halle Berry in an interview, right? Mm-hmm. And like better to have Halle Berry herself explain this, what, what she appreciates about this approach, because I think it summed up perfectly, mm-hmm. is she was like, she was shooting the, the sexmas segment mm-hmm. where she plays Six this, this sexmas. Sorry. You said sexmas. <laughs> Freudian slip. 
Uh, I'd like to sex her Smith. I'd like to sex Ben Wishaw Smith. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd, he's I'd, a handsome boy. I'd like to sex but... Agent Smith. Um, <laughs> the, you know, he's a handsome guy. Um, the, uh, the, the thing she said is, I was shooting that segment, and I was in this, you know, white makeup and everything, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I realized- it's Jocasta. This yeah. was the only- Jocasta? That's her name. New? Please carry on. <laughs> I realized that uh, this was the only film, by by doing this, by having this approach to it, this was the only way that I could be in a film set in this time period and not play a slave. Right. Oh. Because it's set in the 30s. You know, so well, for like as much as you're having like Jim Sturgis play a Korean man. Yeah. You're also letting Halle Berry play roles that she could never play. Right. If I could counter, and I love this yeah. movie. Yeah, the only I just think that's an interesting point. Almost yeah. everyone who is in white makeup in this movie is playing a pretty minor role in the in their respective Agreed. stories. Agreed. Because the cast is still majority white. So your main mm-hmm. cast, just to shout them out, yeah. is you got Jim Sturgis, who's this this the star ostensibly of the 1840s plot uh, yeah. set on mostly on a boat. He's on a boat trying to get to his wife or fiance. His, his wife. No, wife. fiance. Fiance. Who is fiance. played by Jonah yeah. Bay. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. Uh, who's playing a white woman. Who's but, playing, but only really seen right at the end, but yes. Is, is playing like a British r- red haired, freckle aristocrat. Jonah Bay as that woman reminded me of Juno Temple. Did you know? Did you yeah, pick no, up on that? I, I was mean, like, this is a very, because it's just like. Talking to a co worker at Juno oh, Temple's right. right here. Yeah. Uh, I referenced Juno Temple in the last episode too. Did you? Yeah, because uh, Julian Temple almost directed Speed Racer, her that's, father. Mm, that's right. Uh, you know what's another thing I want to throw out just very quickly? Throw it out. Uh, you know how uh, Neil Blomkamp is threatening to make this uh, Alien sequel? Don't oh, do yeah. it, Neil. Uh, I I saw Aliens uh, uh, a couple weeks ago. I mean, by the time this fucking episode, Jim Cameron's Aliens. Ago. They screened it on Alien Day, which is this new holiday yeah, yeah. they're trying to make happen. And Sigourney Weaver did like a big talk afterwards. And I went with uh, my sister Rom, who had never mm-hmm. seen the movie before, and our, our buddy Rachel Lang, friend of the podcast. Great movie. Rachel loves Aliens, um, I know. And I'd never seen Aliens on a big screen before. Mm-hmm. What's your point? Uh, if they're doing this fucking Alien sequel, Juno Temple has to play Newt. Because the little girl who she plays Newt. She would be a good Newt. Looks yeah. identical to Juno Temple. Oh. And that woman has never acted ever again. So they're no. not going to get her to Quick play. Quick sidebar. Don't make that movie. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Neil Blomkamp is the most overrated director alive. I agree. Yeah. But if you do do it, do it with <laughs> Juno Temple. No, thank you. Who's a great right. actress. So I'm just, I'm shouting out the cast. I'm doing yeah. it. All right. So you, you got Jim Sturgis. You got yes. Ben Whishaw, who is mm-hmm. the uh, star of the 1930s. We're talking lead of each story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Star. Right. Uh, uh, the 1930s plot about a struggling gay composer trying to make, make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got Halle Berry, who is the star of the 70s plot, which is kind of like a journalist thriller. Mm-hmm. About it's, a her trying... Ray it's, a it's a Louisa Ray mystery. It's a Louisa Ray mystery. Yeah. And then uh, you've got um, Jim Broadbent, who is the star of the current day, 2012 uh, London uh it's it called oh, the ghastly. What's it called? Uh, yeah, his, something his, situation of of uh, Timothy Cavendish. Or right, something. Yeah. I can't remember exactly. It's but a, uh, it's a bit of a, a farce. It's about yeah. a, it's about an aging literary agent who is locked in an old folks' home against his will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets and a plunger, gets to, a the plunger face. to the face. Uh, which I watching again, I realized that plunger was CG. Did you really? notice that? Really? The, the I think the, the stick the, the, was the, the stick was real. Sure, but the plunger itself was was not. Uh, was Ooh. not real. I'm gonna have to go back and check. The that plunger out. was not a was not a practical effect. Maybe, maybe <laughs> Jim Broadbent's allergic to human excrement. Maybe they had to I work was, around. Well, that. I think it may yeah. have been they couldn't. Yeah, they couldn't hear, hear him. him. Interesting. Very uh, that's, yeah, yeah. All right. It was just pull up the clip gonna, later. Okay. The, it's really I I rewound it and I was like that plunger doesn't look real. 
Um, then you have Duna Bay, who is the star of the Neo Soul 2144 yeah. as a replicant woman who right. is a waitress mm-hmm. at a Korean, a Neo Korean. And becomes bar. the sort of face of a movement. Uh, mm-hmm. And then yeah. you have Tom Hanks, who is ostensibly the star of the final plot that we talked about already. The great Thomas Hanks. Yes. Mm-hmm. But they are all in, pretty much all of them are in every story. A couple of missing yeah. spots, but you know, like Ben Wishaw plays. Hugh Grant's wife, wife in like George Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. Like there are little like drops like that. And then there's well, supporting. implied has also fucked Jim yeah. Broadbent. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Now why'd they cut that scene out of the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Jim Broadbent and Hugh Grant in old age make, well, no, Jim Broadbent's not an old age make. No, I want to see Broadbent oh. in his real skin mm-hmm. plowing Ben Wishaw. As a woman. Yeah. The, the, the young Jim Broadbent that they use whenever he's like reminiscing about like uh, the, oh, when, he, oh, when he was when fucking he was, young Susan yeah. Sarandon mm-hmm. was like, Jim Broadbent, yeah. there's no universe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Did he ever look like that? Yeah. Jim Broadbent looked like that. Good sir, I know Jim Broadbent. <laughs> and you are no Jim Broadbent. Uh, and then you, you have a normal person face. <laughs> we should, and then they're, they're, you don't look like a cartoon mouse. <laughs> then there are all these supporting actors. <laughs> a corpulent cartoon well, mouse. Look, Hugh Bonneville played young Broadbent and Iris. And that basically worked. That's fine. Yeah, that was fine. That's, That's fine. fine. You know, yeah. he's more of a cartoon mouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just shout out to him. Yeah, I would also cast Radigan from The Great Mouse Detective, I think, could play young Jim Rodney. <laughs> he's busy. He, they, uh, that guy's schedule's packed. Come on. Uh, and then you've got this supporting cast, Hugh Grant, always a villain. Always a villain. Yeah. Uh, Hugo Weaving, always an obstacle of some yep. sort. Susan Sarandon, like, I don't was, know. A, was free that week. Yeah, <laughs> around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not really stretching herself, no. except for, no. I mean, she wears a lot of weird makeup. She always plays an aspirational figure, sort of. Uh, well, she's but, always, no, uh, she's, she's sort yeah, of a mentor think, in the future yeah. plot. I don't know. In the future plot, she really doesn't serve much of a purpose. No. Uh, Keith David pops up a few times. I'm great sorry. actor, great voice. Yeah, I was going to say, the great Keith, Keith David. David. Let's refer to him by what his full voice. name. The uh, great voice. Keith David. Uh, James Darcy pops up a lot, who's a great British uh, yeah. young, he's not that young anymore, but handsome yeah. Brit. Um, I love him. And David Giassi, or Giassi, I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, who is so good in Interstellar and is so mm-hmm. good in this. I didn't fucking realize that yeah. was the same. Mm-hmm. He plays he plays Romilly in Interstellar. He does. He plays the only Romilly film Newman. character in history to have my sister's name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. His main plot is the first one where he's the slave, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he, uh, who Jim Sturgis, he's, and then he's, he's got very small roles. In he's the one game. of the 1% in the future plot. He is. And yeah. he, I think he's Louisa Ray's like brother father. or father. Oh, because he's only seen in a photo or whatever. Yeah, and I think there's one other one he appears in. But yeah, but so they're all popping up in each other's they're wearing crazy makeup yeah. and the movie kind of starts out I feel like with big chunks of each story and then it kind of starts cutting yeah. faster and faster between them as, okay, let's, as things go on let's try to set up another story because we set up the, the first one the, the okay, Neo Soul yeah. we've done like no, half the work on yeah okay yeah she's like a, a clone she's an yeah, this is such a cool, visually such a cool thing. Yeah, they all pop out of these little drawers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a clone with like a limited brain almost mm-hmm. or something. Like she's been sort of programmed to not do much. It's a future fast food restaurant right. that, in order to like reduce costs on like uh you know labor. staff labor, yeah. uh, clones employees who only know how to serve burgers. Mm-hmm. Um, but and- also the clones are used as as uh you know. Uh, Justification for going like the the clones are a selling point because it's like these 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 men can like slap you the asses like of the of the, of the, ser- right. of the servers yes. at your will right. right and there's some sort of like morality that has been completely abandoned yeah. in this future the people doesn't they, and we, these aren't people we right. see it's, it's images sort of, yeah. of like new, neo soul seems to have been built over like drowned original soul mm-hmm. or something yeah. it's like it's in sort of like a city in the sky it's almost. like a Jetson city it's really yeah. it's it's cool. 
Yeah. So the Wachowskis, we should say, directed, like literally on set directed the the two stories we talked about, Mm -hmm. the two future stories, and the furthest past story. Yeah, and Tom Tviker did the other three. Now, apparently, the the three of them all, like, mapped out everything together before they got Mm -hmm. to work. So I think, you know, they they really consider themselves co-directors in every way. But But technically, that was the division. And the the credits acknowledge it. The credits say... So she she realizes she is she becomes un, she becomes part of a revolution um, that sets that seeks to like expose the truth about these clones and like have the other people revolt against like the way that the clones are being treated. I didn't really understand the the broader picture of the revolution. Yeah. Like what was what were they revol- rebelling against other than the clones? I, that wasn't really clear to me. And is that brought up in the book? Uh, no, there's some sort of caste system and like there's this evil, uh, like. Empire, which is called, uh, what's it called? You know, they say, uh, you know, fuck, what do they call it? I'm just... Does everyone, um, you know, the the pure blood thing is like, mm-hmm. uh, I can't, there's a word for it. It doesn't okay. matter. We can talk about it. There are these things called skirmishes, which is like, we see a little bit of it in the movie, that uh, segment where they're almost arrested by these like people with like black visors mm-hmm. and stuff. And then yeah. they like, there's cool shootouts and stuff. But are her... the civilians, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, her friend is like the first person. I, I don't know, ever, but, like, seemingly to sort of revolt against. I yeah. mean, there's a scene where a guy comes up and slaps her in the ass at the restaurant. This is her friend who, like, sneaks out at night. She's getting fucked by uh, Hugh Grant in mm-hmm. a horrible abuse of power. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and uh, she, like, has a movie on her phone. Yes. Yeah. So, oh, she just I think she just has a clip of Just the clip. Yeah. Yes. Uh, oh, the, the movie, clip. I have the title now. It's called... Uh, the ghastly ordeal of Timothy Cavendish, and this and is... in the movie, it's he's played by Tom Hanks, right? In the film, within the film, but it's the story of John, Jim Broadbent. This is a mm-hmm. like a over the top adaptation of this Jim Broadbent's storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, but she gets her ass slapped one day at work, and like turns back and slaps the guy, and tries to escape. Tries to escape. Hugh Grant hits a button. Her collar just fucking like explodes, and her the blood squirts out of her neck. Gross. And it's, it's really like nasty, okay, yeah. so this is th- these are the stakes. Mm-hmm. Like you're not free. Well, we should say there's They've also never seen you know the the world outside of their fast food restaurant, and they can choose to kill you at any time with the push of a button. Mm-hmm. And we should also say this story is being recounted by Duna Bay to James Darcy, so right. we know that some sort of rebellion has already mm-hmm. happened. Yeah, she's yeah. like being interrogated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, before we sh- her execution, we yes. don't have much time, so we should really just yeah. sum this one up. Yeah. I think we summed that one up. And well, then, but Jim, uh, Sturgis then Jim Sturgis is this is, handsome revolutionary yeah, who, who comes to her in. And, they and, fall the re- in love. and the revolution doesn't really no. work. No. no. But, the revolution fails. But some sort of seed takes hold. But I mean, and I think in the books it's a little clearer that like apocalypse is coming to this civilization mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Like, because the thing is, and again, these stories all shake each other's We also know that because we've seen the right. fucking Tom Hanks and, story. And we, we know that in like, the apocalypse yeah. world, they worship the teachings of of Duna Bay's character, who's called Soon Me Four Five One, and they like worship her big like revolutionary speech that she yeah. gives. And as she's and as she's about to be executed, they're like, "Well, your your voice doesn't matter," and she's right. like, "No, it's already been heard, and that's all that matters." Right. Like, pe- right. this, yeah, like you said, the seed has been planted. And every and in every, I think in most of the aspects, there's that, and most of the stories, there's that ending, but it's 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 more eloquently yes. delivered it's a little in, more the, obvious. in that one right. the Jim Sturgis right yes. where, where some of the handshakes are a little goofy like the you know Timothy Cavendish story playing out in this is a weird movie within yeah. a movie which is great I have yeah. no objection it's just yeah. goofy yeah uh, okay so that's that story the present day story yeah is... the Timothy Cavendish story is I would probably say the weakest wouldn't would you agree I would too but it's got some I real like pleasure there yeah. It, yeah I like that it's there too I think it's one thing, why does Jim Broadbent say ruddy so much? He says it so much. Know. He won't say like any other swear word. 
Yeah. It's my ruddy car. You know what I do like about this story? Where are my ruddy keys? <laughs> I like that it has like Simpsons plotting where the first 25% of the story so has almost weird. nothing to do with the rest of so it. So it opens. It's so dense at the beginning. It's a total mystery. This yeah. is in the first 15 minutes of the movie. We open at a book party, a book launch for right. a uh, an autobiography written by a London gangster played by Tom mm-hmm. Hanks. Of course. <laughs> and the book isn't doing well. He's sad. He got a bad review, I mm-hmm. believe. He's He has a, the clip. In his pocket, yeah. yeah, he's he's making flirty eyes with an Indian woman played by Halle Berry. Sure, that's Why her not? full appearance in that <laughs> yeah. storyline. Is just looking real good. So Tom Hanks is in a sorry. Tom Hanks, and yeah. I think we, we all love we probably all love Tom Hanks, right? Yeah, good guy. But you know, usually yeah. you, especially in the '90s, especially when we grew up with him, an actor yeah. who you know stuck to like one kind of like specific lane, and here he's really throwing himself. I feel like at every weird role mm-hmm. he takes on. And this is what I love about this movie is Tom Hanks started out as like a comedy actor. Yeah. He's sure. known for being one of the best SNL hosts ever. Totally. But totally. then in movies, he's usually like pretty straight line. Usually you know? an upstanding dude of yeah. some sort. Yeah. yeah. And like other than the lady killers, maybe. Sure. Like since from 1990 on, Hanks is always playing an everyman or a subversion of an everyman. Mm. And then in this movie, you get to see him do like his fucking mad TV reel. And he, you he know? throws a man, he throws the critic off well, a building and so kills yeah, him. That's kills the it. thing. I mean, you're, you're watching this and you're like, oh, this is weird. And Tom Hanks is really funny, but this is really strange. He's doing this Cockney accent. Is this then just going to be a look inside the, the literary critic, world? Throws yeah. him over the balcony. The critic explodes in like a, it's like a bag of blood like yeah. as he hits the ground. Yeah, it's He orders mist. two fingers of tequila. He yeah. does. He does yeah. put some salt on his. And this turns Jim Broadbent's character into a sensation because the book He's sales the publisher, go through yeah. the roof. Yeah, yeah. And right. because Tom Hanks is in prison, he's getting all of Tom Hanks's profits for this right. or right. revenue. But then a bunch of Guy Ritchie extras try to collect the money from Jim Broadbent. So he there goes, are Guy Ritchie's just they're just his brothers. They're yeah. just his yeah. brothers. Uh-huh. The Ritchies. Yeah. 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 Um and so he asks his brother, Hugh Grant, in horrific old age makeup. Craziest. But it's a really funny face. It, it's a funny face. It's, it he's got look, like a droopy dog face. Yeah. He looks like Droopy McCool from he the Max like Rebo Droopy band. McCool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we had a long conversation about the Max Rebo band yesterday. Yeah. Griffin and I and JD. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, um, and then so he gets put in an old folks. Home. So he okay, asks, they want money. They want yeah. money. He doesn't have it. He, he goes to his brother and he's brother. like, the brother's like, you asked me for money all the time. I'm not giving it to you this and time. And you had like, sex with my wife. And you had sex with my off. wife. And then and then he realizes I could really fuck you over. And he's like, you know what? I will give you the money. Go to this hotel. We'll figure it out. Lay in the low morning. for a little while. Lay low. Yeah. But he doesn't realize that he's just signed his life away yeah. to this horrible old folks home which his brother which has, yeah. a has a stake in yeah. Yeah. yeah and so where everyone is just mistreated and it's it's prison for old people so that's the first 25% of that story and then the rest of that story is Breaking just up. Jim Broadbent trying to plan an escape G- from gathering an old a bunch home. of senile folks mm-hmm. and trying to break out like the big action scene is this: yeah. just them trying to figure out how to start a keyless car. Yeah. Yes, and like eventually figuring out that the button that says start is how you turn the car on. And there's a very rewarding, uh, re- like with the with the old man who can only say what is he can only the, say the one thing sort of guy. Yeah, yeah. But then at the end he like yeah. finds his voice and right. helps them out, and it's right. like very sweet. But this one is the only one that's like done explicitly with voiceover narration. Yeah, yeah voiceover narration. It's, it's explicitly supposed to be funny. I feel like it's in got a way like the jaunty aren't. music. Yeah. It's farcical. And it's got this sort of through line that we talked about where he's like, oh, and also I remember like all of a sudden he's like, I remember when I was a kid and I wanted to hook up with uh, this lady. And then like I held a cat over my like uh, genitals when the parents rumbled. Like you get this like scene out of nowhere. The cat scratches his dick. He falls out a window and then he makes a really good pussy joke. Yeah. And then and then he's just like, so that's why I never uh, saw her again. And you're like, that's. That's why you never saw her again. That feels like a reason to see in her again. In the book, uh, this, this, I had a question for you since you'd read it. Okay. In the book, is 
is this a movie? Is this adapted yes. into a movie? So yes. it is a movie yeah. within the book. Um, yeah. And and uh, in the book, it's more she doesn't get to watch it until Duna Bay's character, uh, Sunmi, mm-hmm. doesn't get to watch it until the end of her story. It's like her reward before yeah. she dies. There's, she gets th- to watch the movie. There's something like you can understand why the Wachowskis and Tviker would be into this because it's like in the other in the other instances in the other stories you've got uh, her story like Sunmi's story, her story, Sunmi's acts are what have caused ripple effects. Mm-hmm. And it's like all these actions, like these brave actions have caused ripple effects. But in this one, it's like a movie right. is what has the transformative uh, you thing, know, persisted right. throughout all these generations. It is what inspires yeah. soon me. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like his story itself only has an effect on like eight people. Right. right. But then the movie that's adapted for, because you the presume movie. he yeah. writes a book out of yes. mm-hmm. this story. That's, the book is funny. It becomes a movie. The movie is this Frank Capra-esque, like, noble. I will not be, like, yeah. imprisoned against my and will. And people are right. affected by it and for the power generations. Of yeah. art, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so that's that storyline. Okay, so the, the previous storyline, the San Francisco storyline, is probably the simplest in a weird sort of way. Because yeah. it's just, like, this supposed to be this kind of, like, hard-boiled, like, Mystery like Silkwoody. Yeah, yeah, like a Silkwood kind yeah. of thing. Exactly. In the book, it is subtitled A Louisa Ray Mystery, yeah. as mm-hmm. if there's a series of Louisa Ray mm-hmm. Mysteries. Well, and right? we yeah. see that Frobisher, I mean, not Frobisher, fuck, sorry, uh, you know, Cavendish, the yeah. publisher in the next story, wants to publish one of these Louisa yeah. Ray Mysteries. That's yes. the handshake there. Right. So it's Halle Berry. She's the daughter of a famous journalist. She's a journalist. Yeah. But she's kind of a, she kind of just does, um, she does puffy stuff. Yeah, she does puffy right, stuff. Right. But she's trying to be more glass serious. Magazine. Spy glass <laughs> magazine. Yeah, and the other puffy stuff she does is marijuana. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she likes marijuana. The 70s, baby. Yeah, puffing that dang She weed. has like a kid friend. Who lives above yeah. her. Yeah, yeah maybe my least favorite element of the film. Not sure why yeah. that's in there. Yeah. A lot of stuff in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I just don't like that kid. Uh, he's and bad. Yeah, I, he's, it's not a great performance. It's, a, it's a very stage you know mom coach performance. She's trying to expose this nuclear power plant that's like unsafe or whatever. It's unsafe. Intentionally, so and owned by coal companies or oil companies, right? To, to, to so destroy does, nuclear power's yeah. like yeah. reputation. So that when this nuclear power plant like melts down and kills hundreds of thousands of people, no one will trust nuclear power again. We'll They'll only have the use hand. oil and coal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, the handshake the, there is that yeah. James Darcy's character, who is younger in the previous story, is now old and like wants to expose, but gets assassinated. Yeah. But, like. And but the I feel like the crucial point of this story is the the, the music itself. Yes, is that that she is drawn to this music, mm-hmm. the Cloud Atlas sextet. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which recurs through all the movies, but this is the one where it's like physical, where the yeah. person listens to it a bunch. Yeah, I, and I, it's I, like talked yeah. about. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. this music is so familiar, but like so rare and, like and the, strange. The, yeah. the guy at the record shop hears it for the first right. time, and he's like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah, but then at the at the Crazy. book party where Tom Hanks throws the guy at yeah. the window, the band is playing a right. song, lyrics set to that. Uh, in the Neo Soul story, Jim Broadbent's an old blind musician playing right. it on his future his future uh, organ. Yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> and I think that's 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 one of the most impressive things about it to me because it's uh, I was thinking about uh, Stranger Than Fiction. Remember that movie? Of course. Yeah, we talked about it in the last it episode. Last week. And so, so last week. Yeah. But you know, like anytime uh, a movie tries to represent, uh, you know, high art. And it's never quite right. And in, and in yeah. Stranger Than Fiction, the Emma it's Thompson a, character is supposed to be this like beloved, this you know, like wonderful novelist. And yeah, every like, every 
every quote you get from it is awful yeah, and it sounds like it's written by, like a freshman in yeah. college it's it's i mean i was we and griffin were just talking about that because we were talking about this yeah. movie and i was talking about mr holland's opus i don't know if you've seen mr oh, holland's course. opus but you know when the opus is finally played mm-hmm. at the end and it's kind of it's whack. a little underwhelming yeah, yeah. blows chunks <laughs> um but in this it's like they they managed to create a piece of they music did. that does sound like the type of thing that would be that inspirational and, and as you know, we, we get to the next the next plot which is about the yeah. composing of that music by this uh this uh, young English composer, Robert Frobisher, yeah. uh, the who is great Benjamin Wishaw, who is working as an amanuensis to mm-hmm. Jim Broadbent's grumpy old composer, something Vivian Ayers or Vivian something. Ayers. And I love the structure of this one, which is we start with him and James Darcy in bed. The hotel manager's knocking on the door. Well, they we don't actually get start caught. with him committing suicide in a bathtub. Oh, yeah. right, yes, and then we flash. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and he slips out the window with just the guy's waistcoat, right? right? And he's about to go on this trip to go work with a composer. And the rest of this uh, story is told through letters that he's writing to James Darcy, Mm -hmm. who's his great love that he can't be with. Which Mm -hmm. is, are these letters that then discovered by somebody, by 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 Halle Halle Berry? Berry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, right. There's a lot of, but he composes this music. In he composes the, while he's working for Broadbent's composer. Broadbent's character. like a great composer who's sort of gone to he's seed. He's like old. In, in the books, I think it's more clear that he's like blind and syphilitic. Like he's yeah. like a gross old man. Um, but so he's sort of giving him scraps, and Ben Wishaw's turning them into something more. And he thinks this relationship can become some sort of symbiotic thing where he helps him out, and then eventually, uh, Broadbent will throw the spotlight back onto him mm-hmm. and give him the spotlight for this grand opus that he's working on, right. which is the Cloud Atlas. Sextet. It is his magnum opus. It is the defining work of his life. And so mm-hmm. the music for this film was composed by Tweaker. Mm-hmm. Tweaker and Tvicker. his friend. Yeah. Um, I, I forget his name. But it know. sounds like a terrible idea. I mean, as uh, you yeah, said yeah. yesterday, uh, David. Reinhold like, Hale and Johnny it shouldn't have been. This shouldn't have been good. Yeah, no. This music shouldn't have been good. When you hear that the music's going to be crucial, you're like, oh, who are they going to get? Like, yeah. what big name composer are they going to bring in for this? Yeah. And I bet David Mitchell was like, that's going to be the hardest thing. That's sure, going to be your right. hardest You're going to need to nail that, right. Because yeah. in the book, obviously. Yeah. You, you just know, go, it's the to... best music you've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy, haunting piece of music <laughs> that recurs throughout centuries. Great. But you said yesterday when we were talking about it, you were like, can you imagine the meeting where they're like, what are you going to do about the music? And then one of the three directors is like, I'll take care of it. <laughs> no, I, I got it. I got it. Scene Run, Lola Run did that. <laughs> yeah, because like fucking, you know, like Clint Eastwood and Robert Rodriguez scored their own films. And when you watch those movies, you're like, yeah, this is. Yeah, Clint this Eastwood feels put like, a finger on his, right, on his exactly, piano. Right. That's how he scores. It feels movie. like an afterthought. It yeah. feels like the director just being like, I just want to get this finished. Let me just. I do, think like, I do feel like Eastwood. He did, didn't he eventually stop doing it because like I think even he realized like, yeah, me just strumming on a guitar for five Grand minutes. Grand Torino may have been his last one. <laughs> yeah, because the Grand Torino song from Grand Torino is the craziest thing in the world. Oh, the one that he kind of like yeah. warbles. Grand Torino. Grand Torino. It's so. Weird. But you know what? No, he did do the music for American Sniper. No. Oh, he did? Yes, he did because there's there's a track at the end. There's the cue that he wrote at the end of American Sniper uh-huh. over the footage that I think is really good and they've never released. I'm looking for it. The it's, music? It's the thing I like most about American Sniper. I like Bradley Cooper's performance in that. Yeah, film. he's good in that. Yeah, and I, think I like Sam it when Miller's there was that weird baby that everyone made fun of. Yeah, that movie's just confusing. I don't really remember it, to be honest. <laughs> no. And I saw it. I saw uh, it twice because I just want to have some solid opinion about it. And it's still just so nebulous in my mind. What else is who was? What's the name of the other guy? Tviker's friend. Uh, so, the by the way, Eastwood did not compose the music, but he composed one theme. Oh, the, so it's this. just so it's this end theme, theme that I can't. Some fuck other guy is did. not on the I don't soundtrack. Remember that? Yeah, it's called Tanya's it's theme. Really good. Anyway, yeah. uh, the fine. Wait, well, should we say anything more about the wish shot? I I feel like we just want to get everything down because we're running out of time. Yeah, I mean but he's like, he's uh you know trying to write this magnum opus and he hoping realizes, to get back to his his love. He realizes Vivian is just going to screw him, so he yeah tries to kill him. He doesn't. 
Yes, right. he's on the he run. Does shoot the, him though. He's shoots him. He's he on the run. He also tries to fuck him. I mean, he's like can't yeah. figure out yeah, where emotionally for, he stands. Like, yeah, with what do this I gotta guy? do? What do I is gotta do? Is he my enemy? Like, is he my lover? I'm gonna expose you as a deviant. Also having an affair with his wife, Halle Berry, played by Halle Berry. Now in the book, that affair is more fleshed out okay. yeah. and is a big deal. It's a little thrown away. And is more mm-hmm. of the problem. Like yeah. the affair. Whereas okay. in this, it seems to be more like artistic jealousy mm-hmm. than it is like uh, emotional right. jealousy. Yeah. And but, the affair um, in this is sort of thrown out as just sort of like he feels indebted to them. It's yeah. like sure. right. he, he says it's just a, he says it's just physical. It's just, it's not like uh, I'm in mm-hmm. love with this woman. Because he tells the, the, the yeah. boyfriend that. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but the Six thing minutes. is, and you know he's doomed because it does start with for a movie that's already playing so much of time, almost every story kind of starts in media res or something yeah. like, and it starts with him in a bathtub about to kill himself, and you kind of know he might not make it. Like, yeah. And the way these letters sound is almost like it's like long goodbye to his lover. But he and kills we, himself after completing the he does the composition. And we yeah. connected that uh, Darcy gives the documents uh, is the entryway into the story for Louisa Ray yes. and the sequence that I fucking love. There's like an, a long the scene elevator. with him in the elevator, which yeah. a. I like any scene that's shot with one dominant color. Right, which is red. Like the yeah. lights go off mm-hmm. and it's red, which sort of gets back to, I think, this Wachowski idea of like we're all the same. Because mm-hmm. if like you're in bright red like that, then like the color of your skin is no longer visible. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea that she like is, I, I sort of harp on this scene, but I just like the scene a lot. I know it's we're really moving good. backwards. It's a great scene. It's really, but really good. She comes out of a hallway. They live, She he lives in the same building as her. She's at a party. This guy's hitting on her. She's clearly like, Fucking mm-hmm. men, Some like famous uh, guy. Yeah, like I can't fucking deal with this. Gets mm-hmm. in the elevator. He holds the thing open for her. She's like, "Nice to see the chivalry isn't dead." Mm-hmm. He, of course, we know is a gay man, mm-hmm. and she's in this safe zone where, in a world where everything's like a threat to her, mm-hmm. either like a physical threat or a sexual threat, here's this man who like treats her with respect mm-hmm. and right. listens to appreciates her, appreciates her, her like career. Yeah, and they're just in this red box, mm-hmm. you know, having this connection. And at the end of it, he sort of as, as they talk about journalistic principles how far she'd go with her story, the responsibility she feels to the people. Mm-hmm. He decides as an old man with very little to lose, you know, who's already lost his great love, right. has been mm-hmm. living in the wake of this, to give her the first key to this story mm-hmm. because he thinks she can save the people. Right. Yeah, I just love that. No, scene. I love it too. And I think that's the, you know, the makeup is always a little goofy, but like old Darcy looks okay. I think it's you know? probably the best makeup probably job. Probably the best the makeup yeah. job. Yeah. yeah. Also, I mean, apart but, from the future people, apart from Hugh Grant Cannibal, which... I think it's a tremendous makeup it's job. Under, yeah. It's but the I think they overaged him because like in the time like the yeah. timeline it's only like thirty five yes. years. It's thirty five. Like, he looks like he's ninety. <laughs> he yeah. does look like and the he old. should he should be about sixty. But I think I think yeah you're right yeah I think yeah. they went over the top yeah. with it. Heartache ages you, you know. Yeah. Heartache ages. That's true. He's um, had a sad life. Yeah. And then the final story, or do you want? Oh no, I'm no, no the final story in 1849 in the Pacific Islands. Yeah. Is about. He he's a lawyer, I think. Like yeah. he's like a businessman of some sort, played by Tom Sturgis. He's got uh-huh. like a nice suit and hat. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's gone to the Chatham Islands, which is like off the coast of New Zealand, to negotiate Make something. A deal. Yeah, and he like has this encounter with a stowaway slave on the ship when he's going back to England. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they form a connection, and he like saves this slave's life. Because evil Tom Hanks is trying to kill yeah. Jim Sturgis to right. like steal his you know treasures. Right, yeah. a lot of stuff's going. But like, Tom he's, Hanks he's is like a crooked doctor. Yeah, so he's slowly, slowly poisoning, poisoning him. So like he will die, and then he'll just take. Over. And he wrote these letters that are, are being read by six by Frobisher in the next story. That you know Jim Sturgis's yes. character mm-hmm. and 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 only wrote, half of them. 
Right, and Frobisher is like can't really find intent on finding out what they happened. They were published. Yes, right. Yeah, and it's this sort of great account. Yeah. And you've got like Jim Broadbent is like a mean ship captain, and there's this really yeah. fun sequence where David Giassi like scales the sails of the ship and like yeah. d- d- does all well, this crazy Well, did we set up David Giassi's character? He's a, yeah. a slave stowaway. Mm-hmm. They're planning on killing him. Well, he, he shows up in Jim Sturgis's room. Yes. They didn't even know he was on the boat. Because mm-hmm. before they dock, they get to they're on land, and and Jim Sturgis has to watch this guy getting whipped, and it's like this is horrible. Mm-hmm. But he sort of just turns an eye, you know, goes along as if nothing happened. This guy stows away on the ship, and he's like, "Please, please, please, my life is in your hands. Don't kill me." And Sturgis is like, "You're skilled. I I should tell them that you're here so they can hire you as a hand." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Okay, if you're so good on a ship, then why don't you, you know, lower impress us, lower the sails." And he like starts climbing up. What this guy's the fucking most physically impressive dude I've ever seen. Oh, Maybe short he's in Channing great Tatum. shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's doing like crazy shit with like just one rope, and he's like climbing. A it's whole a really mass. cool scene. Um, and the second he starts climbing, Jim Broadbent's like, "Give me my fucking gun. Give me my whiskey. I'm right, gonna right. We're gonna dude. shoot this guy. No, I don't think he. Well, I think doesn't he ask someone to shoot? It doesn't matter. Whatever. Yeah. 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 But the plan is like he's like, "What you just said? You give him a chance." He's like, "I don't fucking care. Right. Right. He's mm-hmm. a slave. I'm yeah. not gonna do that." And Jim Sturgis in this moment, you know, sort of knocks him off trajectory. Mm-hmm. The guy drops the sail and they realize how impressive he is. Right. And Jim Sturgis saves this man's life right. by giving him, you know, freedom. And that's the thing about now that we've covered all that's the thing about these movies. These like little things kind of build over like, you know, like we like ripples, like, mm-hmm. we, you know, like they, small they acts sort of. of kind of, right. then, they, well, there's no such thing as a small act is kind of what it's yeah. also right. saying. Exactly. Right. And I mean, the final is it the final line of the movie it's a crucial line in the book and it's definitely one of the last lines of the movie where uh he's saying like this character is reunited with his wife fiance duna yeah. bay redhead and says like i'm gonna be an abolitionist like i don't think like which is know, let's say probably the worst makeup job in the entire film it she looks like raggedy and she looks um up. yeah uh, and uh, like, and he says, "I'm, you know, I'm going to be an abolitionist, and I, I decry the slave movement." I think Hugo Weaving, Hugo Weaving, is the one who's like, Are "You kidding me? Like, you know, yeah. you'll be a drop in an ocean Mr. or whatever." Mr. Anderson, <laughs> <laughs> and he says, "Like, what is the ocean if not a multitude of drops?" Yeah. Or what, yeah, like, yeah, and that's beautiful. And like, I re- and I'll that's like, the idea, right? That's I, the whole fucking idea. It's great. I, 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 my story about singing in the theater was incomplete because I sobbed at that line. Yeah. It's a great I line. I sobbed at it. And like and like it, it's it seems like a very easy cloying little thing, but yeah. it it's so effective especially after two and a half hours. Well, this is the thing. I feel like a lot of the things in this movie when described sound cheesy yeah. or they sound easy even yeah. like or like they sound like a little too obvious, but like the whole impact of the movie is that you're seeing this like you it it all works because it's all together mm-hmm. and like when like when it's built to that after 3 hours and you're music, like so in and the music is with yeah. you yeah. and you know, when you see the closing credits and you're like, oh, there's Tom Hanks. He was that one and that guy. <laughs> yeah, they do sort of a who's who I in love the closing that. credits. I mean, here's here's a thing for me, okay? And, you know, I like overanalyzing these things, psychoanalyzing these things. I know you hate it when I do this. No, I don't always hate it. I just um, sometimes hate it. I think, hate the, it. I think this one's fine. I think you won't have objections. Ben, oh, yeah, feel shoot, better. Shoot. Uh, the- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Haram uh, Haram. Um, we've talked about in our Matrix episode. Mm. 
how the first Matrix film spawned a lot of bad things from people who misinterpreted what was going on in the film. Right? Yeah, absolutely. The men's right movement. I mean, uh, Columbine was blamed <laughs> on the not, Matrix, which I think was incorrect. Let's not say that incorrect. the Matrix completely spawned the men's right movement, but they certainly took but the red pill. Uh, yeah, there were the all these elements that people thing, misinterpreted, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Matrix didn't create bad people, but bad people looked at the Matrix and were like, this is reaffirming that thing I believe, mm. and misinterpreted the film and then did shitty things in the name of the yeah. Matrix. Okay. And even the worst of all was just uh, the new metal movement, well, right? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but what's your point about this movie? Okay, so then uh, The Matrix Reloaded Revolutions becomes super philosophical and like away from the cool badass stuff. And then Speed Racer and Cloud Atlas, and I think this continues on to Jupiter Ascending, and certainly Sensei, from what I understand, although that's the thing I haven't seen yet. Me neither. Have you seen Sensei, no. Bobby? Yeah, no. no. I think Sensei's kind of doing the same thing as this, except no makeup this time, right? It's just right. different people. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and they switch minds within yes. different yes. bodies. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, they become so thoroughly unconcerned with seeming cool. Mm. They become so achingly sincere, which is a term I've used before. But That's a good point, use. though, because Speed Racer is like that, uh, yeah. certainly. Speed Racer is this very open-hearted, like, straightforward, yeah. uh, emotional movie. And yeah. there are all these, like, desperate pleas for people to look around and respect each other and realize that, like, The Matrix was this narrative of the one. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to save everyone. Your job is to save everyone because everyone's important, but it's still putting one person on the pedestal. The rest of the movies become about, like, everyone's fucking important. Every life is important. Mm-hmm. The way we all treat each other is important, you know? Everyone um, is everyone is given a, the opportunity to be, like, the hero. But yes. then, in seeing the way everyone interacts, you realize that everyone was already a hero to begin with. Right. And it's this idea I talked about in the Speed Racer episode, where at the end, the reason why that final race doesn't play out as, like, an underdog moment for Speed Racer to win is it's as much about his family winning. It's about this guy yeah, who they right. believed in and who they love wins, and they most of that sequence, Racer. beautiful film, you'll cry. But but and in this movie, I think there's also that weird optimism of like even if Tom Hanks is a mean old quack in this yeah. story, like you know there's a chance for progression and there's a chance for like heroism to mm-hmm. like you know sort of take root over several generations and like maybe pay off. You know like mm-hmm. progress is possible. But these movies feel like them constructing like a uh, hundred million dollar soapboxes to stand up and go like please be kind to each other. Which so many people, like, who have, I think, turned against their works are like, that's fucking corny and it's cheesy. And they go in broad strokes. But it's clearly so impassioned and genuine. Yeah. You know? And it's like, either this movie's going to work for you or it's not. But for me, I think all three of us, when you hit that final line and it's so simple and it's so direct. And Jim Sturgis is a guy who's good at, like, when he's misused, he feels like a wet blanket. But if given the right words like this, it's like, he just mm-hmm. feels like a really good guy. Yeah, what do you think of Sturgis? Bobby, I, I, I'm not a big fan of Jimster. I think he's fun in, in this. this. I, I think, think I'm with you. I, I think he's good in this. I was, I, I found myself thinking about him for the first time in a long time while rewatching it this morning. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, oh, I, I like you, but yeah. I don't really understand like. I mean, why I why I he's just yeah. fine. I think he's, he's fine. just he's kind yeah. of fine. I mean, I he's, he's about fine. to be in a TV show. I hadn't thought about him for a while, but he's about yeah. to be in. Uh, Oh, the Sturgis and Schwimmer make yeah. the food or yeah. whatever. Yeah, that's it's called. what's called. That's the. When did, he, when did he make one day? We, I'm, he made I, one day. Right after this. He right made, after this. That was sort of his last of, big it. leading man thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah that then that, that bombed. Uh, yeah. Let's briefly. We should wrap up, but let's briefly talk about the box office. Yeah, and then there are two other segments I want to do, but we'll let's oh, talk Jesus. about the box office. Okay, because yeah. it's one p.m. <laughs> I know. Okay. We'll, we'll be out of here. All right, forget the box office. What segments do you want? No, let's talk about the box office. Well, it opened. To nine point six million, Awful. it was such a bummer. Awful. It just, Awful. it just, it actually did well over net overseas. It, yeah. it, it made about one hundred and ten overseas, so it like totally collected like one hundred and thirty or something like that. Yeah, but it made twenty seven mil. Yeah, that's uh, terrible. They thought it was going to do like twenty million opening weekend, which right. still would have been low for how much the film cost. Mm-hmm. 
And then like the reasonable expectations were like the lowest it would go is like 15. And then the storm hit and it was like nine and the movie never recovered. So can you give me the five? Can you release? Number one is a movie that had been number two the previous week. (laughs) Oh, really? Very rare. Yes. Okay. So it's 2012. It's October. Mm -hmm. Is it a horror film? Nope. It's an Oscar winning film. Argo. Yes. Okay. Number one. Number two, Cloud Atlas. Okay. Number three is a film you've talked about multiple times on this podcast. I know exactly what film it is. It is Hotel Transylvania. (laughs) Number four is a horror film that had been number one the previous week and obviously collapsed like 70%, you know. Uh, Insidious 2? No, fair guess. (laughs) It's one of those, you know. Yeah. Sinister? No. Sinister is number nine. Oh, really? Yeah. Give me a slight hint. It's a four. A a Paranormal Activity 4. Yeah. And then number five is another horror movie that... uh, I mean, so we had three horror movies in the top ten simultaneously. October, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But even it is October. October, it is October. Uh, give Give me one hint on the other horror. It's a sequel adaptation of a video game. It's oh, just, Silent Hill, whatever it's called, Resurrection, uh, Re- Revelation. I Revelation. We forgot John, about that. With John Snow yeah. and uh, maybe other people. Is Rhonda Mitchell back in that one? Or? No, I think it's Adelaide Clemens, maybe or someone like that. I it's one of our our is. young stars of right. tomorrow. But you know. I mean, it's no surprise, and it seems like if the storm was when, like, if that was part of it, then yeah, it seems like well, everything sort of conspired against this movie anyway. But there's a literal storm, and I forgot also the storm of Hotel Transylvania. I mean, that <laughs> film there was just chaos in the wake of it. It was impossible for any other movie to open after HT. But, you know, but I forgot about this. Everyone we, was checking in, but we do have to do it for a two week stay. We do have to do the burger, report, the sweet. Right? That's one of the things you want to do. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it quickly. So okay. then we have three segments. I'll do Burger Report quickly. Oh, you had two other segments? Yeah, fuck. Oh, yeah. Jesus, Griffin. All right. Uh, and we also have a book report, but we'll read that next week. Yeah, we're not doing that yeah. this week. Uh, I went to Hollyweird recently. Yeah. Do you know about the Burger Report, Bobby? It's where we talk about uh, yeah. burgers. Yeah, yeah, okay. When but, we see famous eating burgers. So you yeah, went to Hollyweird. I want to hear the story, though. You went to Hollyweird. You were looking. You were you were trying to start a Burger Report. I was in Hollyweird for two days, right? I had to do a t- table read for the tech. And I had, like, I flew out, we did rehearsals, we did the table read, and then the next day my flight wasn't until 10 p.m. So I had a full day. I had to check out of the uh, hotel at, like, noon. So I had, like, eight hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I had eight hours until I was going to get picked up to go to the airport. And I decided I'm going to leave my bags at the front desk, I'm going to throw on my sunglasses, I'm going to do an eight-hour burger curl. I'm going to go to as many burger places as I can. I only ate two. I ate one for lunch, I ate one for dinner. Right? right? All right. No, I didn't even get one for lunch. I only one for dinner, okay? Uh, so literally what I was doing, I was a uh, skittish uh, young man mm-hmm. wearing sunglasses <laughs> with a heavy backpack, walking into burger places, scanning the horizon, and immediately walking out. So I think everyone called 911 after I left. <laughs> uh, I looked like someone like a, like a, someone pl- planning my next domestic terrorist uh, <laughs> No, location. I understand. I understand. Um, but I, I lost track at a certain point. I think I went to... At least 12 burger places, perhaps 15. Wow. What? But what were you doing in these places? Walking in, scanning, walking out. Oh, I see. So you didn't take seats in it. Oh, okay. No. Okay. I mean, at one place, like halfway through, I got a beer, you know? At one place, I used the bathroom. I understand. But I didn't want to spend money on Ubering, so I would like, okay, what's the closest place? I'd sure. yelp that. I'd walk there. And I'd go, what's the next closest place? I'd walk there. This filled up eight hours. Okay. Okay? But no sightings. I'm going through all of them. Fucking nothing right mm-hmm. and i'm going all over the place i'm going chains i'm going local i'm going mm-hmm. hole in the wall i'm mm-hmm. going like bars that serve burgers right okay. I'm everywhere fucking all right all nothing. right no one's eating a, no one famous is eating a burger no famous anywhere and then... okay so then i'm walking and i like had one last place i was gonna go to and i was like and then i'm gonna get the fucking lift 
to come pick me up from this place, bring me back to the hotel, go to the airport, right? And I'm walking to this final place, and then I look, and I see a sign. <gasps> this is a burger place. It says burger on the signage, but this didn't show up on my Yelp. Okay. What's this place called? Plan Check. That's a plan check. That's a weird thing. That's weird. Wait, this feels like a sign from the gods. My podcast is a sign from the gods and also the worst name burger joint I've ever heard of. Yeah, but but that's why. P-L-A-N. Check. Okay, so you go into- A mere two letters off. You go into Plan Check Kitchen and Bar on Fairfax Avenue or Wilshire Boulevard? Uh, I think it was the one on Fairfax. Okay. And I sit down very close to the door and I go, I'm going to keep my head on a swivel. I had a delicious burger, an unbelievable burger. I think I got the plan check burger, the titular one, Mm -hmm. which had salt on the bun, which was interesting, fun, fun, and delicious. Sort of a pretzel bun or just a a, a salted bun? A regular bun with salt. Oh, I see it. It looks very nice. It was a great fucking burger. You swivel that uh, that screen over, David. Yeah, this is a chicken burger. Yeah, but uh, but <gasps> oh. you get the idea. You get the yeah, idea. It was delicious. Mm-hmm. I got waffle fries. I had some delicious local. Did it come in this little cast iron? Beers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cute. Yeah, very I love this place. It, it was hip. Great. And I'm there. I'm getting there at like seven o'clock, right? And I was like, okay, I need to leave for the airport in like an hour. Mm-hmm. Head in a swivel. Look around. A bunch of young hip people are coming in. I was like, "This feels good. This place feels like a hot spot. It's a Friday night or Saturday night. It's a bar. It's fucking people are coming in. I'm eating my burger. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. This is where it's meant to be. And who walks in? I gotta know. Jacob Robinson. Don't know who that yeah, is. Who's... He's one of my my dad's old uh, graduate students at NYU. My dad teaches at NYU, and it was that, that's it. Yeah, I came uh... up short. I went to fucking fifteen burger places. Did you talk to him? No, I didn't. I, I wasn't sure if you remembered me. All so right, well, know. maybe we shouldn't end on such a, um, you know. Well, Griffin, do you have any other things you want to do? Well, not I was going to add, report. I yes. have a burger report. Okay, okay, go on, Ben. But I, I don't want to, you know, add too much time here. Uh, but it was, it came up in the book that we were referencing, the book reports, M. Night Shyamalan's book about education. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so in the book, uh, one of our fans referenced on Twitter that he actually went to the Spotted Pig. Right. You you mentioned this to me. That, that was a, a haunt of his. I'm not in the books that is a regular haunt of filmmakers. Then used to work at the Spotted Pig, Bobby. Just huh? for okay. Okay. Yeah. So I actually never. You never saw him. I never saw him. You may but, not have been looking for him, Ben. But, but the what? story doesn't end there. Because as a bartender, you have to help stock the bar. And that includes grabbing fruit. Okay. Shared lemons. Now, perhaps, let's say M. Night Shyamalan one night, he came in, he had a burger, and he was like, I'm going to have a Manhattan. Okay. He ordered it with the orange twist. Mm -hmm. I handled those oranges. (laughs) Boom. We're we're, we're telling some stories with a land with a real claw. So, Ben, your story is, if he were to have ordered a drink, maybe his lips touch an orange that you had once touched. That's right. Well, that's not a burger report. That's a that's a fruit all right, fact. All right, all right. Bobby has fact, something he but wants it was to a say. Twist. It's, well, it's not a burger report, but yeah. I I can tell a really quick Let's story shoot. that is not my story about Please. an orange twist in Manhattan. <laughs> so this is now this is the, the orange, this the is orange so twist. I will t- I will try to do this in thirty seconds. Yeah, this Please, is the twist. Is not, I'm not good at this. We're This is a new segment. It's called the Orange Twist File. This is the Orange Twist. A friend of mine was in L. A. Yeah. For whatever reason. The City of Angels. She was waiting. She was at uh, Sunset Towers. That's where she was staying. Uh-huh. Yeah. She was at the bar. She was waiting for her wife. Yeah. And was at the bar, was just getting a Manhattan alone, ordered a, it was very crowded because there was an event going on. There was a, a wedding outside. 
that was of a, a, a person who was friends with a famous person. So there were famous people at the wedding. Mm-hmm. But they were not like super famous people. They were Mark McGrath level famous people. Okay. okay. So Mark McGrath was one of the guests. <laughs> she orders. <laughs> the so very friend, level. As it Mark should McGrath. be. My friend uh, is. And he uh, said, I am the median. My friend befriends Mark McGrath's, Mark McGrath's wife, not knowing it is Mark McGrath's wife. So they're talking at the bar. She orders. The wife is very drunk. She orders a rye Manhattan. Oh. And oh. she hears a man say, what's that? That man was Mark McGrath. Oh my God, Bobby! And so, sorry. They be, they have this is like Cloud Atlas. They All the stories are shaking yeah. each other's hands. Time. They like talk. She <laughs> talk. She be friends. Mark <laughs> McGrath. He's very nice. So is his wife. Good to know. Her her <laughs> her man, her Rye Manhattan comes. It's not a twist of an orange. It is a slice of an orange. You know, Floating. garnishing on. It's, oh, it's stuck garnish, on garnish, garnish. And Mark McGrath <laughs> says, "I feel bad because this isn't my story, no, but, no, I'm, but I'm taking but, it." Mark McGrath says. Is that toast? <laughs> In a million years, I couldn't have predicted that. Fingers. And she said, "No, it's an orange slice." <sighs> and he did. He say, "Oh, cool." I don't know. I don't know what he was. Yeah, the, the story. Was, uh, they, 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 they. That's where the letters. Bit. If we were reading the letters, is they that, were just cut off. <laughs> is that toast? Is that toast? Uh, that's great. That's a great story. Uh, if you have any orange twists, <laughs> if you have any orange twist stories, you just tweeted us blank check. Orange slice. If you're uh, if you're listening to this in the future, yeah. um, hey, what's up? Uh, this is how we were living in 2016. <laughs> So this is. Thank you, Ben. If you have a case you want to report to the Orange Twist file, <laughs> submit your case. Griffin, I'm desperate to know. Well, we can save the book report for the Jupiter Ascending yeah, episode. We'll but do that. what was the other thing you wanted to do? I want to do a speed round performance review where we just picked which performance oh. from each actor was our favorite. <laughs> well, that's well. All right. Well, that's pretty easy, actually. But, so. but I think there's a more important segment if we're only going to do one. Oh. For the first time ever, a guest has perhaps come in preloaded with their own. Merchandise spotlight. Oh, oh I forgot. we is, forgot about there that. There is a piece of merchandise in this film that I didn't even know existed, yeah, but Bobby yeah. has coveted. Well, I Bobby feel like was I just throw, telling me about this I off mic. The spotlight. You want to talk about? I well, want so it. I, I won't spend the money on it. Um, merchandise. While spotlight. I was rewatching it this morning, uh, I noticed that there was, you know, they had when Hollyberry goes to the record, the record store, store <laughs> to buy the Cloud Atlas sextet. It's like packaged very nicely, and I was like, oh, I wonder it's if pretty. It's got like weird sort of it's colors. It's, and really it's like pretty. a mountainy kind of. It's very cool. And so I don't, I don't know why it, it made me think like, oh, I wonder if they actually made this, if they, right. if they actually pressed it, and this is a playable version of the sextet. And I, it they sounded like, like something. Things. It sounded like something. They I mean, would the do. Speed Racer car was a drivable car. They yeah. like to make things. Yeah. So I started just do like some very you know, preliminary googling about it and trying to see if it was real. Turns out they did. Use it. They did press it. They pressed a limited number of copies. Uh-huh. They sold them originally for like, uh, I think it was only on sale in the UK, and they sold it for like 30 euro is where I found people mm-hmm. talking about it in 2012. Ben sounds like he's dying, um, by the there way. There aren't many left. There aren't many left. Mm-hmm. And if you want to buy it now, you can find it on eBay. You can find it new, and it's about $300. Ooh. Uh, it's, I think Griffin just smiled with interest. <laughs> there is one on eBay right now. Uh, the auction ends probably around 2 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. I'm going to keep my eye on it. Mm. It was currently at about $50 oh. with eight bids with 36 hours to That's go. That's going to go high, Griff. That's going to go so That's going to go high. I have a green Hugo weaving over my shoulder right now going, <laughs> you better buy it now. <laughs> buy it now option. Make an offer. It's new. It's When's factory. it going to be available again? <laughs> What's the reserve? Yeah. It's factory sealed, but it has a crease on the upper right corner. Yeah. You can handle that. Yeah. Yeah. You're a superhero. It's what a else are you going to spend money I mean, literally, on? Is it the whole score or is it literally the it's sex four step? track. It's the okay, sex so it's set and then a couple step. other things. Cool. They just filled, they filled the vinyl. Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, great merchandise by. Like, you don't want to do yeah. a, a rapid performance review? Yeah, let's do it. It's okay, really, so I, go I through each actor. You pick Sturgis. your favorite performance. Favorite Sturgis. I, I weirdly think it's Neo Soul. Me too. 
Yeah, I, I think as, I, it, it might be that. I as think problematic so. as his look it, it, is, the look yeah. is, but he's quite dynamic. Yeah, in yeah. That. yeah he's really it's a, it's a movie star I, performance. Wish Shaw is obviously the composer. Yeah, he yes. kills. That's, yeah. that's really his only big role. Yeah, uh, and Barry is probably Louisa Ray, right? Oh, she, Ray. I think she's very nice in the future. The she's big in the future. I think Louisa Ray is my favorite. I, I think Louisa Ray might be my favorite Halle Berry performance ever. I was gonna I was gonna say that she's very good. Really great. Really, it is weird. The scene of them on the balcony is like really great. And her elevator scene is great. And I was gonna say that's my favorite Tom Hanks performance in the film too. I think. Is Isaac the scientist? Very brief performance. It's brief, yeah. but it's kind of like quintessential Hanks because it's and the type of decency that's think, hard. To and those play. two have a really, really nice chemistry there. I just in think both he of those, brought songs. a lot of heart and soul to the London gangster. I just really, really appreciate what that's he a, did with that's that. a fair. No, I, I actually love Hanks throughout the movie. I love Hanks just throwing. Him. I, I love I watching too. him. And I love Jim Hanks. Broadbent. There's only one option, right? The b- blind musician. <laughs> oh, yeah. what's the option? What's the option, Bobby? Uh, whatever, whatever the guy's name um, is. And the, and the old Cavendish. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ruddy Cavendish. Yeah, uh, Keith uh, David has to be in the Louisa Ray storyline yeah. as like her like protector defender. Hugo Weaving for me. Oh, is it's the gotta nurse. be. Oh no, <laughs> I'm gonna go the green. The I'm green. going green. You're going green. Green Goblin. Green Goblin. Uh, he would have been a good Green Goblin. Yeah, he'd be a great Green Goblin. Uh, good, good in Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. Who? No, I feel like there's Duna a major Bay. actor. Of, well, Duna Bay is wonderful. I yeah, think she should have been Oscar nominated. I agree. Yeah. Me. Um, she's terrific. Yeah. I do feel like, wait, isn't that uh, what's her name? Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Oh, 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 yes. I'm sorry. Yes. Now, Hugh Grant. I think Hugh Grant is an underrated actor who obviously is like clearly a nightmare to work with and a really lazy actor who yeah. does a lot of bad movies and only works with guys who butter him up like Mark Waters but or whatever. But he stretches But when you... Put him to the chat test. Yeah. He's good. That's what's weird. And he's is like good in this. What's his, is his name? Mark Waters. That guy. Mark Waters is the guy who made like two weeks' notice and music. Right. And like in the last and, ten yeah. years, seventy-five percent of his films have been written directed by the same guy yeah. who did fucking two weeks' notice. Did you hear about the Morgans? Right. The <laughs> rewrite, which is the one that didn't even come did out theatrically. Yeah, here. no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was another one. Music and lyrics. Music and lyrics. Yeah. He does like one romantic yeah. comedy every three years with the same director. And he'll do like Richard Curtis. But he hasn't done that since Love Actually. Yeah, yeah, he like yeah. rarely, uh, yeah. But this film, it's like you get a full meal. Like he's giving you like five different dishes. Well, so what's your favorite grandpa? I, I, I mean, I liked him as the cannibal because it was just, it was surprising to me. He, was, was, he made yeah. a good cannibal, but I think my favorite was h- him as the uh, nuclear guy in the yeah. Louis Way. He made a, a very like deliciously like good, sleazy like, like yeah. CEO guy. Yeah. He was good. sort of performance. He was yeah. good. I was going to make agree. a joke earlier. I forgot it, but the, in that segment, he's playing himself. <laughs> yeah, right. He's yeah. essentially just playing the evil version of like, oh, just well, with, a, um, with uh, a fatter tie. Oh, you know, very yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, my favorite one is is him as fucking Broadbent's brother. Yeah, he's With he's the doing Megan. something. Ah, there. Yeah, fuck yeah. Like, <laughs> as I'm comes out. Um, so this has been fun. It's amazing. Yeah. This has uh, been great. Bobby, we should all listen to Who Weekly. If you're not listening to Who Weekly, then Bobby's who great are podcast, you? <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else we have to plug? Uh, boo, 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 boo. Um, uh, I'm trying to think because this is going to come out so far in advance. That's true. Well, you're making the tick. I'm making the tick. At the time you're listening to this, I'm, I'm probably just, Unless he's I'm been, just no, finishing up. Um, <laughs> Don't even say yeah, that. I, I you was know, like, you know what? You know I'm not even going to make a silly joke about it. Yeah, you're going to yeah. be great. Uh, I'm still waiting for the day where they're this like. This is the last time we're probably going to record it until you'd make the tick. Uh, yeah. So, like, next time we are on mic, we'll, you'll oh. probably have made the tip. This is a Saturday right now, and I start filming on Tuesday, and then yeah. for two weeks, I'm not going to do anything else other than... Uh, make that tick. tick. Make that tick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm doing a show at Union Hall, my, my the your, Griffin your Joe Holiday, Holiday Spectacular, yeah. on the 30th. Is it Memorial Day? At 7.30. That's the plan. We're going to memorialize Memorial Day after it's happened. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, thank it's, you. It's, like it's, it's, it's moving. Yeah. It's moving. Uh, yes, but I believe it's Tuesday the 31st, May 31st at 7.30 at Union Hall. You and I are about to go see the shit out of Civil War. Yeah, which at this point will be a month old uh, when <laughs> you listen to this, so who fucking gives a shit? <laughs> hey! Yeah, but we're going to see the shit out of it. We saw X-Men Apocalypse lately, uh, yesterday. Yeah, the, the embargo doesn't lift till Monday. Yeah, but by the time I'm this joking, airs, it will, have, it will be about to come out in theaters. Yeah, you, I almost texted you last night just one more time saying the embargo doesn't lift till Monday. Can we share our opinions just because this could be a time capsule and it won't release? Uh, yeah, it's a dog shit movie. I give it a gentleman's <laughs> five. <laughs> yeah, bad. Here's we my- can talk about it in more depth later. I feel like yeah. uh, I, 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 even though the embargo has uh, not yet lifted. I just I, like I, the I, idea of fucking with the embargo because yeah. no one's going to hear this until now. Uh, my quick take on it is the X-Men are in it. They have pretty faces and they punch people. A gentleman's five. Yeah, it's really bad. It's a insulting movie. It's, it's watchable. Also very long. It is very long. In the end, it just stops. It becomes white noise. It stops making sense. Can you repeat what you told me when I asked? Uh, you said you asked me. We were talking about people who didn't like. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't like the, the joke. joke. Repeat the I'll joke. Repeat the joke. joke. I'll repeat yeah. the joke. Okay. Uh, I I liked X Men Apocalypse. I thought it was fine. Yeah, you know, it's not didn't. a great movie. You know who really didn't like X Men Apocalypse? Who, who, who Griffin? Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> She has to deliver this big emotional monologue near the end, and she delivers it like there's a gun being pointed at her. Um, She's like, the Uber's outside right now? (laughs) You're promising me that the second I get this on film. As always, we got to wrap this up. Yes. Griffin. Cloud Atlas. Yeah. As always. I just realized we did cover like half of the plot. Like the, we we didn't conclude any of the plot lines. What do you mean? We didn't get to the part where she finds out that they're like stripping the other clones and feeding the clones to oh, themselves. Oh, that's very Matrixy. Yeah. Well, there's three movies where people are being yeah, used we talked as about it, right and ju- an energy source for coming other up. people. Jupiter yeah. yeah. Um, no, we covered most of the plot lines. You know, they shoot the fucking signal into space, and you know, Tom Hanks get married movie. to Halle Berry. Good movie. Watch good movie. it. Be, be kind movie. to other people. Uh, Bobby, you're the best. Thank you for being here. You guys ben, are the best. Ben, hey, please don't die. You guys die. are the best. Ben, oh my God. I just love Ben making Darth Vader noises in the background of this entire episode. Ben is, is this is it. This oh. might be Ben's last episode. No, I'll be back. But we You'll gotta be back stop. stronger uh, than ever. Yeah, we next, gotta stop. Next month, we're gonna read a, next month, next episode, we're gonna read a book report that someone sent in. We got a book report to the M. Night Shyamalan book, so look forward to that. Maybe I'll see a famo uh, eating a burger. Maybe I will. Uh, and, you know, commissary yeah. or whatever. Uh, and and as always, uh, buy the Cloud Atlas vinyl on eBay. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Griffin. Why can't I find this one fucking? Oh my god! Which, whose whose line is it? Anyway, it's it's uh. Oh, I see what you. Yeah, I, I, that took a while. <laughs> These these bottles are all the rage. I see I, these bottles everywhere. I know, I know. It's I I jumped right into that trip. They're good, <laughs> you know. I'll leave it cold water. I leave it in a hot cod. It's still cold. Another another big, uh, in addition to Chick Fil A drive through, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. Texans love. They love their Yeti tumblers. Have you heard of the Yeti tumbler? I have not. What is that? It's a brand of uh cooler, but also uh thermal technology mm-hmm. that keeps drinks very cold for a really long time. Okay. And so their their coolers are really expensive and they're really like bulky. Uh you'd be dropping a few hundred dollars for a cooler. You'd be dropping um like four or five hundred dollars mm-hmm. for a cooler. That's a lot of money right. for a cooler. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yes, okay, yes. fair enough. But it Texas uh, is a hot place, Texas. But so, yeah. The more affordable entry into the brand is the not that it's a tumbler. So you've got like your it's big and then it and it fits in the glove compartment. I mean, in a, mm-hmm. not a, in a cup, holder? In cup holder. Yeah. Wait, a so blog like, you're talking about? No, <laughs> it's a, it's a. <laughs> Sorry, 
No, no, I, it's probably it's probably thirty two ounces. Okay, and then it gets right. you know thin at the bottom. Right, right. right. Uh, it's like a soda they cup. Keep, sure. They keep it's a metallic lid and everything else is their like special technology. Mm-hmm. That's probably about seventy five dollars for your tumbler. You look in a car in in a parking lot and a just lot of them will just them? have them. They've wow. got the lower end model that's maybe forty five fifty. This is only like thirty five dollars. And so a friend of mine, her father has one, and he was visiting her. Mm-hmm. He was like, I got my Yeti tumbler. I think his, his kids gave it to him for Christmas. He was like, I left, my, I left it in the car. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I got back in the oh, car I after see. work. I'm looking at him right now. And he was like, there was still ice in my water. And I was like, is that, like, what is that, Bennett? Like, <laughs> You're supposed is that to be really like, helping? No. Your life? <laughs> uh, okay, I couldn't find the one I was looking for. I found a different one. Uh, all right, we got to go. Yeah, Come we're on. starting right now. Yeah. Uh, ben, please put all that Yeti Tumblr uh, talk at the end of the episode. <laughs> oh, sure, no problem. Yeah. Okay, cool. Ready? Yeah. This has been a UCB Comedy production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network.